Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. <laughs> Morning, a very nice to be company. Coming up four minutes past four. It's Tuesday, the 13th of September. You're very welcome. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen. Everything you've heard about the programme is true. We don't take any prisoners. We're not politically correct in many aspects. Because, to be quite honest with you, I'm a bit bored with the PC brigade who seemed to trot everything out the other day. The other day we were talking about uh, wearing of the burqa in the police force. Uh, which some, the full burqa, and somebody said, don't be so ridiculous. That's like saying that every police officer in Scotland should be wearing the kilt. I mean, I, oh, I don't know, perhaps that's not such a bad idea, actually. But uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Joan Collins fans told, don't tell her how much you love her when you meet her at her one-woman show. Oh, dear. Marco Pierre White's uh, restaurants held up. 34 skeletons were found. Tempted to say they were former diners, but they weren't. It uh, was because they were building on the site of an old hospital. And in old hospitals, they used to bury people underneath uh, that they had their, their own little cemeteries there. And uh, consequently, uh, 34 skeletons have been found. Uh, for sale, a wife with decent body work. It's, it's just another one of those silly things. Uh, also, the, um, the show Castaways. This is a bunch of old has-beens who've turned up. You know, there's Karen Danjuk on it. Who on earth is interested in seeing that sad old person? Nobody. Ollie Locke from Made in Chelsea. A more dreary person you'd be hard pushed to find. There's some real old baggages on there. I include Ollie Locke in among the baggages today. Uh, the blingiest couple or the biggest show-offs in the world. You know, the ones who moored the yacht. I mean, she didn't have to do anything for the yacht. She just had to sort of, I uh, presume, you know, do the, the business with the bloke who owns it, who isn't exactly the best-looking thing in the world. But let's face it, he's filthy rich, and that kind of just parts anybody's... Um, well, anyway, it does, doesn't it? As you can well imagine. Uh, the snouts in the BBC trough. Yes, we've discovered loads of people who've left the BBC. They've spent a fortune on lawyers, and they've walked off with tonnes of money, like hundreds of thousands. One of them walked away with nearly £800,000. Small wonder the BBC's in the state it is. And they can't bid for anything. They've got no money in, left in the trough. It's been taken out by all the management there. They've got more management than anything else. I told you years ago, I went to see a, a friend of mine's radio programme. He said, oh, come down and watch my radio programme. So we were going out for lunch and I turned up. There was ten people in the studio. What in God's name do ten people do on a music radio programme? Spongers, ladies and gentlemen, that's what they are. Spon- you don't need ten people on a radio programme. There's only two of us on this radio programme. Two people, me and him, next door, and that's it. You don't need anybody else. You really don't. You don't need anybody. I don't know why they go, you need so many people on a radio pro. No, you don't. What do they all sit there doing? Got a producer, an assistant producer. The assistant's got an assistant. The assistant's got a work experience. God, dear. Wasting money. That's why the BBC need to bring themselves, you know, into modern times and do away with BBC local radio. Because, frankly, it doesn't do anything at all. It doesn't get any audiences. It's a bit like Sky News. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing out there. I, I don't say that with any sort of sense of malice or anything like that. I'm just telling you a fact. BBC Local Radio does not rate. It's as simple as that. Try putting it on the graph with commercial radio. BBC is down there, you know, with the ants and all the other things that fall into the gutter. Ridiculous. Uh, what else we got? We got the, um, the, uh, the Hillary Clinton story. They're asking the questions now. How ill is she? Is she a very ill person? Partially ill person. Is she, is she sicker than we imagine? I never liked her. I, I never liked Hillary Clinton. I don't like Trump either. So I'm kind of sort of caught in the middle. I don't like any of these people. I never liked Hillary Clinton. I always thought the, the American presidential candidates will tell the electorate just about anything they want to hear. It's not unsimilar over here. Just over here, we have a bit more of a, of a collection of people. And they spend much more on their campaigns in America. So Hillary Clinton, hi, the hair that never moves. You know, I just find her too fake. Too fake, too false. Trump, you know, loads and loads of money, flash. 
doesn't, he's not really the most intelligent person, but there again, you don't have to be pretty intelligent to make loads of money nowadays. You just need to start with loads of money, and then it just it does it by itself. Simple as that. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, yes, uh, when I talk about uh, the phone screens, which I did earlier on, they won't crack when you drop them. How many times do you drop the phone? What sort of people drop the phones? Is it alcoholics? You know, why would you drop the phone? I've got my phone here. I think I could probably count on one hand the amount of times that I've actually dropped the phone. I just don't drop the phone. I'm either holding it on the phone. I've never dropped it. Like, I just don't do things like that. What's the point? You know, to drop your phone all the time. I'm beginning to annoy myself now. Um, so I don't think people do drop the phone, but I'm looking for... I want a plastic fiver. I've now decided I want a plastic fiver. Apparently in Australia they've had them for ages, but there again, most Australians spend most of their time face down in the gutter, you know, so they need to actually have plastic money because otherwise they just it would just be washed away with the ocean of, of rain and booze and everything else. I've seen the, the police programmes in Australia where they go out and on, you know, Friday night in Queensland, out they all come, all the old Neanderthals, and some of the scrubbiest women you've ever seen in your entire life out there. These people are drunk from the offset. Oh, yeah. They're sort of like the worst version of chavs over here. They're sort of like over there, but with an accent. You get the accent, you know, and you get the girls who... I mean, there was two girls who offered to show a police officer their boobs if he let them off a speeding ticket. I mean... It's that that you probably get the same over here, don't you? I've seen drunks over here, and I've seen people drunk in American police stations on the television, which is always it's always entertaining for us, but uh, not entertaining for anybody else. So yesterday, so yesterday, I went to see the Daniel Radcliffe film, um, and it's called Swiss Army Man. And to be honest with you, the cinema, little little cinema, was full of uh, the great and good. In fact, Mr. M who I went with, uh, he said, there is the creme de la creme of British radio in this room. Well, I only saw me. I didn't see anybody else at all, but I'm sure there were other people there. We had uh, uh, Jamie Theakston sitting in front of us. Do you know he's like nine foot tall? He's terribly, terribly tall. We had Dave Berry was sitting there with George and Lila. They were in there. And I was with Mr M. We were sitting at the back. And uh, then Craig Stevens was there. He's very, very good looking. Very good looking. Craig Stevens does, um, he does one of these roulette programmes. In fact, because he was on last night, I mean, we didn't finish this thing till about quarter past 12 yesterday. I mean, he must have then gone home and then come back and, I don't know how it works really. But anyway, he was on, uh, he was there as well. Very good looking. But then, you know, typical sort of Essex slim boy. He's one of these people who doesn't carry any weight. And you know me, I hate people like that. I will not hang around with people who are thinner than I am, which means I spend most of my life alone. Because everybody, not it, well, except except the Australian producer. Luckily, he's he's sort of about the same sort of weight as I am, and we you are so you are so. I don't know what he's gone into this denial kind of situation. It's it's very it's silly because if I took a picture of you, people would see. If we stood side by side, which we have done, uh, you know, people would think bookends. They're not going to be thinking. In a de- you'd be in data. You wouldn't be inundated with any requests at all. Listen, you can't pull when you're drunk in a pub. So there's no point in thinking that if you show a picture of you sober, there's going to be anybody going, oh, he's a good-looking Australian. They're going to say, first of all, shave off, shave off, (laughs) shall I speak now? Shave off the little girly goatee beard. That's got to go, Okay, That does not make you look butch. It's not designer stubble. It's a silly little goatee beard. It looks ridiculous. Seriously, nobody, unless you came from the 80s, is still growing beards in this day and age. You've grown it... It's a little goatee. It's a little silly little girly thing. It's the sort of thing nanny goats have at the end. Little, Sorry? That's, that's just very gay. That's all I can tell you. All you need is a check shirt and you're in the village people like that. I'm telling you. Told you before. 
So anyway, so we're sort of watching this film. Now, how do I describe this film? I don't know how I describe this film. Seriously. I thought it was going to be over fairly quickly because it's a corpse on a beach. Very nice beach. And there is Daniel Radcliffe as a corpse. And then this other bloke trying to hang himself uh, because he's fed up with life. So you've got one one dead by the seashore and the other one's trying to hang himself. And uh, then he falls off the box and you go, oh, my God. Then he sees the other person. And so he goes down to the seashore and this corpse then starts breaking wind. That's, <laughs> when somebody told me about this, I said, oh, yeah, right, OK. And that's exactly what happens. And it happens quite a lot throughout the movie. There's lots of sort of... I can't describe some of the bits on there because it's fairly rude. It's You've got to watch it to get into it to understand what it is. Because it's... It's two people in a jungle. Uh, he, he comes back to life again, the corpse. Obviously, he can take himself into a suspended animation kind of situation. But then he can do things like he can, he can hold all this water in his stomach and then bring it up. So it's like a fountain and stuff like that. I mean, to describe it to you is it, really not doing it justice. You need to see it to realise what it is. At least the other one that we went to see with Daniel in, I understood, because he plays a, a neo-Nazi but he's, he's not really a neo-Nazi. He's an FBI agent who is undercover as a skinhead who's supporting, you know, Nazi ideology. So, so we watched this one yesterday, and every five minutes you get... All this kind of... Throughout the whole film. It isn't... You don't laugh at it. That's the funny thing. You don't laugh at it. Because you think he's coming back to life again. And they end up bonding. As a couple, they bond... Uh, to the point of you think they're going to be a relationship because they're so close. They're so close. They, you know, you couldn't be, you couldn't have two closer people without it being a relationship. Well, at least we're listening to this programme. You know, it's a similar kind of thing. And it's, it's really peculiar at the ending. It's, 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 it's I can't describe it. It's so bizarre. It is the most odd film, the oddest film I think I've ever seen in my entire life. I've seen some arty type films. This isn't even art. It's it's Daniel Radcliffe, you know, doing what you would never think you would see Daniel Radcliffe doing. He just seems to, you know, he takes these films, which, you know, would not be everybody's cup of tea. And this one takes some doing. It really does take some doing. So I'm looking forward to talking to him about it and finding out how it actually, uh, uh, how it actually worked when they were filming. But very, very clever. Very clever. Uh, Steve uh, says, Anna, I dropped my phone a few days ago. Another cost. I think it's better to get an upgrade. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't. A friend of mine's got this new uh, upgrade on his phone. I'm looking forward to the new app, which comes through. And I think we, we get it through, I think it's next week, which means that when you send a message to somebody, you can either have it with balloons that go up. So when the message comes through, the balloons go up and it looks beautiful. Or fell in a firework display, exploding fireworks on the screen. And it's really, really good. You only get it on the iPhone. It's not available for other peasants. It's only for us iPhone people. We've probably paid through the nose for these phones for ages and ages. But I haven't had an upgrade. Years ago, I would have said to you, yeah, I've, I've got the new iPhone, but I'm not really that, that bothered. But the good news is I save all my iPhones. I save every... I've got all of them, which is quite good. And uh, Anna says, don't worry about being how fat you are or overweight as long as you've got your voice. Yes, because you can't tell. Can't, listening to somebody's voice, you, you wouldn't know how... Um, how sort of big somebody was. You just listen to a voice. And that's why we, uh, we did very well in... The, well, in fact, we won in the Radio Times voice competition. Eddie Mayer got the, the vote by people in the industry, but the public vote 
which, I mean, Eddie will, Eddie will forgive me for saying this, I think is more important. If, if you get it from the public, that kind of element. But I, I never blow my own trumpet. As I say, I won't be blowing my own trumpet at the, at the Rajar meeting today when we all sit down in a room and you bump into people that you really didn't want to bump into. And, uh, and everybody goes, hi, Steve, great to see you. And I, don't touch, please don't touch me. I, there's an awful lot of hugging and sort of group bonding and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't like that. I'm not really... I'm not touchy-touchy-feely sort of person. Other people are in the building. I'm not. And so when we get to the meeting, I try and sit next to somebody I know is not going to lean over and put their hand on my knee. You know, unless it's somebody I really, really want to put their hand on my knee. But, you know, some, sometimes you're lucky, sometimes you're not. You know, it depends. Producer's not going incidentally to the meeting day because he can't because he'll be asleep in bed because he's got to come back again tonight for work. Hasn't he? Because he's got to pay for those haircuts somehow. And um, <laughs> have you ever thought of minoxidil? Have you thought of minoxidil? Minoxidil. That's for people who are losing their hair. It's something you massage in. It's like a... a le- Sorry? You're not losing your hair. Oh, I'm glad you think so. And um, it needs another cut, doesn't it, really? It's gone a bit... Uh, you look a bit like a scarecrow at the moment. I mean that in a nice, a nice caring sort of way. You know, because I quite like scarecrows. Because they just stand in a field and do absolutely nothing. So, a bit like you in Leicester Square, isn't it? It's the same kind of thing. Come on, smile. Come on. You like working with me, honestly. I know you do. I know you do. He hates me. He absolutely hates me. I love it. I love it. Because it means you get a better programme. So, in other words, he sort of brings out the worst in me, which is fantastic, because then I can be in a bad mood for three hours, as opposed to just, you know, with the other producer who's actually a bit too nice. You know, whereas this one, miserable little devil, honestly, really is. You know, you have to push him to do everything. Came in this morning, you know, and he sits there staring at me like, you know, I've grown three heads or something. Should we do a time check? Do try and stay awake. It's uh, 17 minutes past four. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 20 minutes past four. How are we? We're good, good, good. It's going to be hot today. I'm not going to... If it's going to be as hot as they say it's going to be, I'm not going to enjoy it at all. Nicola's a virgin to the Steve Allen show, but loving this, uh, his mini rants this morning. Mini rants? God, you should have heard yesterday. Should have heard yesterday's programme. God, we were, we were cooking with gas yesterday. Just about everything annoyed me yesterday. <laughs> it really did. Uh, somebody says, do you have Windows, PC or Apple? If you're going to buy a Windows... Listen, don't ask me. I've got no... You're asking the wrong person. I've got no idea. I have a Mac. That's all I can tell you. I've got a Mac. It's huge. It's big screen. And and it's great. And you don't get uh, viruses on it. Anything that it doesn't know, it sticks in the junk email. So you don't get anything like that at all. And I've been happy with it for ages. It's only ever gone wrong on a couple of occasions. That wasn't the computer fault. That was the server's fault. Where, you know, you go on, you go, oh, the little red light's on. That doesn't bode well. In which case, I've now learned how to, how to tackle it. You pull everything out, and then you push it all back in again. And then it kind of works. Leave it for a few minutes or turn it off for a few minutes. That generally, uh, generally works. So I can just about do that. But anything else other people do for me. I have friends who sort of monitor everything for me uh, because they're all computer experts. You can imagine after you've been in the business for any length of time, I know no end of people who are computer experts. They monitor my, uh, my computer they, they look after it, they clean it up, they do everything. I don't need to do anything at all. I'm surrounded by people, which I think you need. I think if you're going to have anything in life, I don't think, you know, money makes a difference. I think it's actually having a bit of a social standing and people who want to do things for you. So I've got people who look after the car, people who look after all my bill paying, people who look after the bank account, people who look after the computer, people who look after Twitter, people who look after everything. You know, my tax are for everything. It's all, all looked after by other people. I'm just the little one in the middle who sort of leaves, leaves people to do it, and then they'll say, oh, you need to do this, Steve, or there's an upgrade on this, and I've done that for you. And I go, fine, thank you. 
That's how it works. Uh, Steve, I heard that when Australia first got plastic money, students used to shrink the notes in the microwave uh, because they could and because it was still legal currency. Is that true? I've got no idea. He's too busy trying to find a little Instagram thing that uh, Mr Moyles did the other day. We were trying to recreate an album cover for uh, for Oasis, which he'd seen in a shop window in Soho, one of those record shops. And uh, and so we looked, at, we, we we found exactly the right spot, and then I walked towards the camera. And it was either, was it on Instagram? Have you found it? It's not. What if it's on his Twitter feed? It might be on his Twitter feed. I don't know. He spent ages. I don't think I've been dropped. No, certainly not. I'm a very important person. Try his, his Twitter feed. Is it not Twitter either? Oh, OK, right, yeah. Yeah, I don't so. It, it, it would have been yesterday at about um, 10.15 in the morning. 10.15. Because we, walk, we walked from here at about five past ten. And I think we got there about, uh, about 10.15, 20 past, something like that. And the film started at 10.30. So that's it. If I'm not on there, I should be really disappointed. <laughs> uh, Steve, uh, you've got plenty of hydrating juice at the ready to cope with the heat today, says CJ. I do hope so. I hope it's not going to be as hot as it is. I'm going to get the car in today. Uh, Steve, the BBC's gone mad. Music in Hyde Park on the red button all day this week. Why not have a different music event every day in the park for a week and end with Songs of Praise, says Joe. It's a good idea, actually. I quite like Songs of Praise. I don't have any, uh, any problem with that at all. Uh, Steve, the new jingle, uh, the one at the start, mentioned the LBC telephone number, but you don't open the lines. I don't think it puts down the LBC telephone number for me. I don't, it doesn't put down the LBC phone-in number for me. Yeah, it's just tweet and text, it says for me, Dean. That's all it says for me. I'm one of those one of those rare party animals who just does tweet and... Is it not on there? Are you sure? I could be really disappointed. <laughs> he filmed it yesterday and then he, he posted it. He, um, he's got a different one. Who's it got? After the screening with his two mates. Who were they? Walking around Soho. He left me because I, I walked back down this way because it was a lot quicker to walk this way to get the bus. And I got the bus from Piccadilly Circus back to Waterloo. Who was he with? Two, what two mates was he with? Oh, is there nothing before that then? He, he's in a chicken establishment. Oh, is he? With grilled chicken. OK. I don't, is that Nando's or something? With, with Nando's, right, OK. With, with two... And then him. Oh... He, well, he can't have been in the car on the way to the screen. We walked there. He didn't go in. No, he didn't. He went to the one with me. He was sitting next to me. No, he didn't. He didn't, so. Well, he didn't. He's lied. Oh, he yes, he went to see the Oasis thing, yeah. Yeah, I didn't go to that one. Perhaps he's got some member of Oasis coming in. Is there anybody still alive from Oasis? Are they? Oh, right, OK. <laughs> He's really winding me up this morning. Something badly, actually. I'm not shunned. Don't say that. No, uh, yeah, check his Facebook. <laughs> it better be there. If that, if that thing of me is not there, I'm going to be suicidal this morning. <laughs> uh, over in uh, Sierra Leone, uh, Freetown, which sounds quite nice. Noel, I like the sound of Freetown, Sierra Leone. He says, uh, you're firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I'm not too, too sure, actually. Uh, Mike says, the BBC are losing Bake Off. Any chance of us as a nation losing Peter Andre? What does he actually do? I don't know. He just sells stories about him and his lovely kids. That's all he does, actually. It's all she does, actually. She's flogging her dreary book again. Honestly, where are we up to in the sun today on the Jordan? Really depressing story. And this is the one here. I mean, talk about dragging out the most boring life and existence you've ever had. I remember I looked at it this morning. I remember thinking, here we go. Exclusive. How Star, that's how she describes herself, Star, survived Hubby's affair. 
Having Bunny saved Kieran and me. He's the family man I always wanted. Yeah, till they split. You watch. It'll happen. Of course it does. It happens with every single one of us. I mean, unless he is the drippiest drip that we've ever seen dripping. Because uh, it's a case of, you know, he doesn't... I don't know if he does anything for a living. I'm not sure he's actually able to do anything. Or she keeps uh, tight purse strings on him and all that kind of stuff. She said he couldn't survive if he left me. (laughs) Of course he could, darling. It's just that you couldn't survive because you'd have to go out there at your age and try and find somebody else. And that would be a little bit difficult. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. So, you know, they're they're, they're trying to make a, a big... A big deal about the Beeb losing Bake Off. They've lost loads of programmes in the past. I mean, they really have. There's, there's been a whole stack of programmes. They, they can't hold on to little gems at all. Because if you remember, uh, they lost the voice, uh, which means that ITV Studios will make the show, uh, which starred Will I Am, who spent most of his time just texting his friends. And... Uh, you're really going to annoy me, aren't you, with these things here? That's something on the... That's quite late at night. He's obviously out quite late at night, is Moyles. I don't know who these people are he's with. I certainly don't know them. Oh, I know that one on the left-hand side, I think. I think I know the one on the left-hand side. I'm pretty certain. He looks like I know him. You have to freeze it. Oh, no, perhaps I don't know them. <laughs> but they're eating, uh, they're eating Nando's. I wonder if he pays for it. But uh, and then he's sitting in a car, but uh, nothing. He certainly wasn't with a car with me. Is he driving? He must be driving, actually. A bit odd, isn't it? Really. Well, what other programmes have the BBC lost? Uh, they took the. Uh, they, they lost uh, Top Gear. Uh, they've also lost off uh, Formula One coverage. Uh, they've lost loads of things, actually, and uh, also the uh, the darts. But that's the most boring thing under the sun, isn't it? That, that goes to uh, Channel 4 from next year. The trouble is, once it goes to Channel 4, you kind of lose the... It's not the same. And most of the people who appear on Bake Off are, in fact, BBC contract players. So it's not going to have the same impact. I don't, I don't really understand why they've wasted money on it. I'm, I'm just really... I can't understand it. Because the BBC at the moment plug it all because they, they, they have the licence to plug. And plug they do. So Channel 4 will have to try and fit in all their other programmes around it. And it's just not going to work the same way, is it? It'll be filmed probably in some sort of ramshackle shed somewhere. Uh, a Queen's Guard films snorting powder off a sword inside St James's Palace. is facing a military police investigation. Well, I think so too. We've seen it on the, on the film footage. Somebody filmed it, put it up on the internet and then suddenly realised that they posted it to a site that everybody had access to. And the moment it went there, uh, it was downloaded very quickly by the newspapers before he had a chance to, uh, to get rid of it. And now uh, they're going to be quizzing Captain Alex Ritchie and Lieutenant Charles McLean, both 27, plus Major James Colby, who was the one seen sniffing this talcum powder off. I can't understand what else it is. And then asking, somebody was saying to me, how much do you want? Two inches. And I'm assuming... I'm, I'm slightly naive when it comes to snorting cocaine, as you can imagine. I'm a radio presenter. But uh, I'm assuming two inches is the line. You sort of do a two-inch line, and then they sort of cut it with a razor blade on a piece of glass or something. And then you sort of snort it, and then, then they go, oh, that's the best snort I've ever seen. Or something. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's not, not my kind of bag at all, which is, uh, which is good news, actually. Can you imagine, a person of my age, so, you know, Steve Allen convicted of cocaine. I mean, you know, it's, that's one headline you're never going to be reading anytime soon. I can't imagine why you'd want to waste money like that. You know, if I want any sort of legal highs, I'll get it from Prosecco. 
I'm not going to get it from anything else, or I might push the boat out and do a little bit of vodka. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. A lot of people try to hazard a guess at what they think is the matter with Hillary Clinton. And to be uh, honest, to be honest with you, I think there's there's hidden agendas here. I think she's iller than we think. That's what I think. In fact, actually, didn't James O'Brien go so far as to say he thought she would uh, she would never get as far as the White House? I'm not sure if he's actually done that as a as a bet or if he's just uh, he's just sort of having a, a guess and hoping to get lucky. And uh, so, Max, don't get a virus. Has your friend put antivirus software? No, they just don't get viruses, Max. They just really don't. I don't know whether or not you've actually ever got one. I've never had one in my life. Seriously, you don't, uh, you don't get anything like that at all. And somebody says, we put antivirus... No, we put nothing on it at all. No. No, nothing on it. I just... They don't get viruses. I've never heard of anybody who's got one, unless somebody knows differently. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Johnny says spending 30 minutes having off-air conversations on air, on LBC this morning especially, which is good. And uh, another one here. Oh, uh, Ali Ross on television is talking about the X Factor. He said it went back to basics. Viewers just went uh, because they're not interested. Uh, Sharon Osbourne has sobered up, made her very dull. Uh, Louis Walsh is looking a lot older and a bit slower. Nicole Scherzinger is amazed by just about anything that turns up in life. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Uh, And uh, Simon sits there. Difficult to tell what expression he's got at the moment. But, uh, again, they've got the usual bunch of no-hopers. A couple of blokes from a council estate who used to terrorise it. Now, of course, they've turned the corner. Unfortunately, not for the rest of the council estate. Then you've got a couple of gay boys, which, frankly, you know, sets the, uh, the gay movement back about 500 years. Very embarrassing. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. So let me get this right. I'm not on his Instagram, not on his Facebook, not on his Twitter. Well, where's he put it? Perhaps he's saving... Sorry, they, I do beg your pardon. Now, I'm trying to work out because we went to see this screening, Mr M and I, and, and he took a photograph of me walking towards him. And I know he, I know he did because he showed it to Jamie Theakston. Walking towards him, recreating the Oasis thing because there was some film about Oasis yesterday which I didn't go to. Because uh, presumably I don't think Oasis is classed as my my audience, probably just as well I should imagine. But anyway, and uh, and then and he and he said I must do it. now. Perhaps he's saving it. Perhaps it's for his private collection. So the producer's taken great delight in telling me, oh no, it's not on Instagram, it's not on Facebook, it's not on Twitter, it's not on anything like that. I'm thinking, yeah, but it's probably not just available to you. It's probably private things that us higher echelons of radio presenters do. <laughs> He's been trying to upset me all the way through the ad break. Oh, it's not anywhere. I can't find it anywhere. He posted everything else, all these other people he was out with, except you. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. I'll, I'll have a word with him when he comes in. Uh, lovely picture of Princess Beatrice in the paper today. I say lovely because she's looking miserable as sin, which, of course, makes me very happy. Her ex-boyfriend, Dave, looks as happy as anything, messing about with his male mates. Yeah, woo, having a great time. Because let's face it, going out with Miss Misery and the old dreary family, I should imagine, must be about the worst nightmare under the sun. Uh, the texting killer lorry driver gets six years. He's been done before for drink driving, phone at the wheel. He's not learned his lesson. So uh, this time he killed a police officer. He mounted the reservation, smashed over the other side. Gross-looking person. They've sent him to prison for six years. Fantastic. Should have been 20. Should have been 20. Uh, What else we got? Oh, it's the hidden 15% fee uh, from the takeaway firms. Poor old Brooklyn Beckham going out with his tipsy mother again. She doesn't handle booze very well. What do they talk about? 
how many pictures did we get in the paper this week? Well, I got about 30 and you got about six, and that's the way it should be, because Mummykins is very successful. Not really, but, I mean, that's what they have to tell people, don't they? Uh, there's also the bloke who advertised his wife on eBay, and apparently they're up to about 65 grand. She's obviously worth a little bit of money. People do the oddest things now, don't they? Why would you put your wife up on, on um, you know, uh, you know, up on uh, up on eBay, which is hilarious? Uh, Steve, um, da, 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 da. it sounds to me that somebody, somebody, someone personal has put your nose out of joint. Only saying, says Jerry. God, you're easily fooled, aren't you? <laughs> I can't believe people ever take this program seriously. I'm always, I'm always magically surprised or immensely surprised when people. Somebody wrote to me the other day. I had to ban them because they were too stupid for their own good. So I basically saved them from themselves. And uh, because you know you were you were attacking old people up north. I thought, I think you need to get a life, actually. You know, come out of that uh, that home you're in. Uh, Steve uh, says, Ian, uh, my iMac got a virus. Nothing a trip to a, a GUM and a dose of antibiotics couldn't fit. Yeah, they just don't get viruses, do they? That's always makes me laugh when people go, do they get viruses? You go, no, no. Uh, Dean says, apologies, it was the text number I heard. Yeah, you wouldn't hear the phone number on this programme. It's, uh, it's specially recorded. I have my own special list of things that they record for Steve Allen. And so they say, you know, text, so-and-so, so-and-so, this, and that's it. So because we don't do, uh, don't, don't do phone calls. But we do have one of the biggest audiences in the entire history of the English-speaking world, uh, which is good. Uh, Anna says, I don't think they do radio from prison. Uh, I don't know if they do or not, actually. It's never, never going to occur to me. Yesterday you went into great length, Steve, explaining about the likes of a parking ticket and debt-collecting agencies. Blow me. Only got a letter from one of the companies you mentioned. It was the only thing the postie delivered. You are the oracle, and I can only hope you don't bring up some more worrying subjects today. I did say to you yesterday... And I'm going to have to reiterate again for those people who missed the programme yesterday. You need to download it. I think it'll probably be on the best of. And it was the Steve Allen Guide to Surviving County Court Judgments. And the simple answer is, if you get any letter from a court, from a debt collecting agency uh, or from the bank, the one thing you've got to do is open it. If you ignore it and it goes to county court judgment, you'll never get rid of the blasted thing. You'll go on a debtor's list. And it then means that if you haven't paid and you don't make any effort to pay, like the bloke with the veterinary bill of over £1,000, you can then go on to a debtor's list. It'll stay there for six years. You'll never get a mortgage and you'll never get a loan because and they will be informing people that you're on a debtor's list. So you've got a county court judgment against you. That is enough to put off any potential lender. So it's in your best interests if you get a letter from somebody important, like the bank, like the county court people. Don't just put it to one side. And if you do move, you need to tell people. Because this bloke who got the vet's bill in, he didn't tell them he'd moved. And he didn't think to check with them, you know, that he owed the money. I mean, quite clearly, he did owe the money and he knew he owed the money. But he thought maybe they'd, they'd forget about it. Well, they didn't. And he still got the county court judgment against him. So just be very careful. Some of these companies will chase you for, you know, a penny. could be a penny. Because by the time they've added on to their fees, you're up to 300 quid. And every time a bailiff comes out, as you know, we've spoken to enough bailiffs on this programme over the years. Dear Lord above, we have. And they'll, they'll turn up to your house. If you then go, uh, well, I haven't got the money at the moment. I'll have it uh, maybe tomorrow. That's another £300. Because by that time, your, say, £700 bill has gone up to £1,000. You go, why? They go, because we're having to come back. Not coming back for free. You've got to pay these these people's time. So I have every sympathy for the bailiffs. You know, even though we watch on the television, we sit there thinking, ha ha ha, you crooks, you've been caught out. And the bailiffs are there and the high court enforcers are there. And I love them. 
I seriously love them. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to do the job, but I'd love to be the cameraman on that, filming these people who are, you know, thieving and trying to get away with it. And it's a case of, no, we're here and we're going to start taking your stuff. I love it. I absolutely love it. We appear to have lost a Chinese restaurant in Twickenham. Yesterday, they appear to be selling off all the furniture and the chairs and everything else. Now, whether or not they're selling it off because they're re-equipping the place, but they were selling everything. Knives, forks, plates. It'll be the aquarium next. All going. And it's been there since... Uh, since I was in Twickenham. Long, long time. Over, over 27 years. Over 27 years. Uh, 84850, steve at And um, in Thailand, it's very hot, says Paul. I think it would be, actually. Some friends of mine are in... I think they're in Koh Samui. I think they're in... You know Koh Samui, do you? Oh, you've been there? Oh, well, because you're Australian. Australians travel, don't they? They sort of, you have to, I suppose, really, with an accent like that. I suppose you sort of, you just go from place to place. You go, is that where the Australians go to? They go to walkabout and they'll go, oh, Christ, mate, where are you going? You go, I'm going to Koh Samui. And then you all pass on the name of the bars that you've been to. You've been, Southeast Asia you do, right. And do you all meet up? Do all Australia? I'm always led to believe that Australians meet up and sort of chat about things like billabongs and uh, jolly swagmen. You manage to find each other. It's nice, that, isn't it? Americans do exactly the same, especially for Thanksgiving. I've been in Vienna where there are Americans by themselves and they try and find an American family to take them in so they can celebrate Thanksgiving. I'd be locking the door, I'm telling you. I'm sorry. Uh, We are American. Go away. We're not in. Uh, We'd like to come and share Thanksgiving. Go away. You're not coming in here. That's what they do, though. They, they, They do it. It's sort of a big thing to do, isn't it? Whereas the Brits, we just sort of batten down the hatches, break open a crate of Stella... And uh, get some chips in and maybe a takeaway pizza. And that's about as good as it gets. Come New- I hate New Year's Eve. I love working New Year's Eve. But the actual, the actual, you know, thing. I love driving into London New Year's Eve. That's always a nightmare for me. Trying to get into London and get as close to the studio as is humanly possible. There's drunk people in every... T- I'm going to try and make sure I don't work this New Year's Eve. I've decided it's too dangerous for me to come in. I, can't, I can never make it in one piece. It takes ages and ages. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, and we put everything in on the programme between now and 7 o'clock this morning because 7 o'clock is, uh, is the time that we go through to. Uh, the Daily Star, they've got Dobie blues his bake-off to Channel 4. 20 million, too much cash for auntie. Of course it is. They're too busy paying out for another road. Well, dross. And uh, they've got... What have they got here? Oh, it's uh, a picture of uh, England striker Jamie Vardy with his attention-seeking bimbo-y-type wife. And they're on the front of OK magazine. She's another one of these attention-seekers. They've obviously got a photographer there, and so they stick her in a tiny bikini. The trouble is, you can tell by the state she looks she's going to age really badly. It's like watching The Housewives of Cheshire. Ooh, bad. Bad, bad, bad. Uh, Plus, Magaluf Benders X-rated. X-Factor hopefuls. I don't think they are. They're They're just two uglies, I'm afraid. Otavio and Bradley have been carpeted following a Magaluf-style bender. Uh, they said their show, their, their future on the show was at risk because they parted into the early hours. I mean, have you ever seen two ugly blokes in your life? Dear God in heaven, what an embarrassment to gay people everywhere, I'm afraid. They caused chaos at boot camp when contestants were given time to let their hair down. We're well, seeing as neither of them have any hair. What's the point? But anyway, they turned in an hour before everybody else... Uh, left to perform for the judges, including old Scherzinger, and missed the coach, it was claimed. Both were responsible. It should have been a civilised night. The trouble is they're not intelligent enough to know that. You know, I mean, luckily we will get rid of them. They're neither funny nor interesting nor can sing. So we have to we have to get rid of them as quickly as possible, don't we? That's what happens. Uh, you should enjoy 32 degrees today. 
which takes it up into the uh, into the 90s, doesn't it? Double it and add 30, yeah, it takes it into the 90s. But they now say vicious thunderstorms tomorrow. <sighs> Love a vicious thunderstorm, don't you? A vicious thunderstorm, and that's what you're going to be getting. So it'll be a case of take the umbrella. Take the umbrella. I've got a, I've got a guest coming in uh, tomorrow, actually. He's, uh, he's an actor, and he's called Sam Neill. So I'm sure you all know Sam Neill. He's been in uh, so many... Uh, so many films. In fact, a cast list of thousands. Uh, Steve, what about if you have a county court judgment against someone who just doesn't care? I've got a county court judgment against some builder who ripped me off. Uh, and I've got a county court judgment against him for the money. But the bailiffs can't get a penny of it out of him. There are people out there that don't care. Well, I think well, you, you take it higher than county court judgment. I think you take it to the high court. Because once you've got the high court enforcers, you know, they will get your, your money back. You know, uh, Stuart in Chatham, that sounds like, the, uh, sounds like the, uh, the dreadful capital of crime, doesn't it? He says, not everybody visited by bailiffs are criminals and benefit cheaters. Many have fallen on hard times. Well, kind of tough, isn't it, really? You need to be less judgmental. You can imagine what Stuart sounds like, can't you? You must not be judgmental about people who have the, uh, the bailiffs call round. No, no, you sound guilty straight away. I'd visit you with the bailiffs. I'd have half your garage doors taken away. On a second thought, you haven't got a garage, so it doesn't matter, does it? Uh, but most of them are, are criminals. What they've done is they've been given fair warning to pay their debts back, and they haven't done it. All this, all this claptrap about fallen on hard times. No, of their own making. Oh, blimey, what's going on there? Of their, uh, of their own making... You know, it's not uh, it's not anything else but people who continue to lead the lifestyle and go, well, sod it, I'm not going to pay for it. No, we make them pay, Stuart. They have to pay. But uh, I think if you've got, Joe, in Wimbledon, a county court judgment, you take it higher. You, you accelerate it to the next level, which is high court writ. And once the enforcers go round, they take away goods. They can take away vans. They can take away everything. The trouble is builders, you know... They don't rank too highly, do they? But uh, they just think they're not going to pay. Generally speaking, you get them put on television. Perhaps you should write to that new Glory Hunniford programme. Perhaps you should write to them and see if they can do something about it. Because we've had Dom Littlewood going out, you know, exposing these, uh, these rip-off builders and things like that. They're all out there. We know what sort of people they are. Sort of people come around offering to tarmac your drive, you know, and then charge you about 50,000 quid for it. So, no, you take it further. Take it further. That's what I would always do. Always, always take it further. Uh, Maria in Peckham is with us this morning, which is good news. Uh, the drink drive shame of a Towie hunk. He's not. He's a rather stupid boy with a stupid poncy haircut. This is Mike Hassini, who was allegedly found with cocaine after crashing his Mercedes. He was two and a half times over the drink drive limit. He's admitted to it. I mean, you would have to be really simple and stupid um, to drive over the limit. I mean, seriously, I saw somebody the other day. It's an Australian programme. And they pull this car over. It's held together with bits of string. And the bloke gets down. He goes, yeah. And they go, uh, we're just checking whether the car's registered to you, mate. He's off his trolley, this bloke. He's hanging onto the roof of the car. Well, it was all right when I came out. And they always ask you the same question in Australia. They're a bit simple. Uh, would you like to accompany us to the station? No. And that seems to be the end of it. They don't seem to do anything else. But they seem to catch more bad drivers over there than anything else. But poor old Mike Cassini, a rather stupid person... And um, he's accused of kicking somebody, but uh, he did spend a night in the cells. And uh, police arrested him. He had 92 milligrams of alcohol in 100 millilitres of breath. Legal limit, 35. So that's like two and a half times over the limit. I mean, that's really bad. Uh, he was taken to Charing Cross Police Station, where the assault is said to have taken place. But apparently the amount of cocaine was so small it would not be in the public interest. 
Does it not? Does it not just cocaine? I mean, I, I couldn't care less if somebody wants to shove Columbia up their nose. That's their problem. But you know, at the age of sort of twenty-one, you'd think he'd have half a brain cell, but he appears not to have half a brain cell. And drink driving. I mean, the one thing is, if you drink and drive, don't breathe. That's the hard and fast rule. Don't drink and drive. Don't breathe. In fact, you know, really, friends should just take the keys away from you. If you think there is a danger of somebody having an accident, and I couldn't care less whether they want to kill themselves, that's their problem. It's whether or not they involve somebody else in the accident that's the, that's the worry, as far as I'm concerned. I don't like that at all. I, I can't think of anything worse. I mean, apart from drug-taking, which I think is pretty bad anyway, the idea that you can, uh, that you can actually get behind the wheel of a car and drive it. I mean, you see some terrible people. Joe says, took it to the High Court bailiffs for enforce and they couldn't get any money out of the builder, who incidentally was on a, a makeover show with Peter Andre, no less. Oh, I think you just have to... Well, then you have to take out a private prosecution. It's as simple as that. And uh, I don't... So so you've already been to the enforcers. Well, they must have something. You must have a van that he uses to go to work. You know, must have. You must have to... Or failing that, go to the newspapers. Go to the newspapers. I mean, all these are fairly standard things. Uh, other stories in the papers will come around too. It's uh, Victoria Beckham's catwalk babes hit back at the criticism. They're too thin, so they've posed with a... With a feast of food. It's an Argentinian who posed with a pizza. Posh was at New York Fashion Week and had dinner with Brooklyn. And then she had to be helped to the car because, as usual, mummy gets tiddly. And mummy doesn't do tiddly because... Oh, Victoria Beckham. Victoria Beckham. I'll tell you what you want. What you really want. It, oh, God. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. You know, proof if proof were needed that there really are some very stupid people in the world uh, comes to light in a story in one of the papers today, which is a guy called Omar Kalik. Omar's a bit simple. In other words, between the ears, tumbleweed. He attacked seven people because he was told he couldn't buy a hamster. So he goes to a pets at home store. And uh, he grappled with security guards. He bit one and another crashed through a glass door. He spat at a police officer before punching two constables, biting one in the leg and kicking another in the face. It's at times like that that I'd have made sure that the police officers got him down on the ground and kicked the living daylights out of him and then turned off the cameras, making it easier. He appeared in court to be sentenced for seven assaults, having a weapon and criminal damage in Leicester. The judge said he was psychotic at the time of the offence and all he got was a two-year community order with 100 hours of unpaid work. Why don't we just throw him in a cesspit and leave him? You know, make it easier for us, wasn't it? Why are we bothering with this person? A community order, he didn't care less. Couldn't care less. Seven people. I'd have had him down. I'd have kicked him from here to eternity, ladies and gentlemen. I'd have really made sure that he suffered quite badly. He was psychotic at the time. You can't buy a hamster. And he spat at people. Goes back to the Nick Ferrari thing where they were talking about people spitting. Who are these filth who spit at people? It's a time like that you really want to sort of make sure that they suffer very badly. It's like when you get these people and they, they do them on the interceptor programme and they pin them to the ground, little toe rags that they are. They're going, ow, you're hurting my arm, ow, 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 ow. And they scream, I'd have tightened it. I'd have tightened it. And then they go, get that camera out of my face. And the police officer goes, it's a public place, he's allowed to film you. So when that happens next time, when you see things going on, you film it with your, with your phone. You can do that. Make your own little programmes up. No sex, please. We're starving. It's another one of these ridiculous uh, reality shows. They've got the ridiculous Ollie Locke, a man who's so big a buffoon, he doesn't realise just how big a buffoon he really is. They've also got uh, Dr Dawn Harper, uh, Tom Evans, 
I don't know who Tom Evans is. I'm sure he's somebody terribly, terribly important. Former Blue Peter presenter Zoe Salmon. Good God, I mean, her career washed up years ago, didn't it? Uh, comedian Dom Jolly. Deeply, deeply unfunny. Uh, Towie Dimbo. Lydia Dim, who was uh, left screaming in agony. Apparently she got a fish hook in her finger. Oh, terrible for you. Uh, who else was in it? I'm trying to find, actually. And... Um, uh, Dom Jolly, who's appeared in too many of these uh, reality shows. It's about time they, they just got rid of him. He's neither funny nor interesting anymore. And I don't think there was anybody... Oh, wait a minute. There was also Josie Long, comic. Who's that? Josie... I've never even heard of her. Mark Jenkins from The Hotel. Never heard of him. And Selfie Queen. God, blimey, Karen Danjuk. That's where you realise when you've got loads of other women in there, Karen Danjuk's the one who's just not at all interesting. And uh, poor old Lydia Dim. I mean, what can she do with her life? Nothing. She's contributed nothing to anybody. She doesn't even contribute to these sort of programmes. Celebrity Island with Bear Grylls. So we do like Bear Grylls. We just don't like the celebrity. Ollie Locke, though, the drippiest drip you've ever seen. He makes drips look drippy. Really terrible. Really, really terrible. Bad news for everybody all round. And just so, so wet. So wet. I can't find somebody a bit more interesting for the programme. But they either do drugs, don't they, on Made in Chelsea, or they're just dull. Well, that's the that's a best you get, actually. Uh, Bake Off is made by Love Productions, also made Benefit Street. Perhaps Channel 4 could combine the two. Oh, exactly, but the trouble is you put the people from Benefit Street on Bake Off, they're only going to nick half the ovens, aren't they, to flog them? You know, you could go back to the set the next day and they go, Terry, so we would have done Bake Off today, but Benefit Street were in yesterday and they've taken everything. They've nicked it all. You know, these are the people. Who is it? Didn't we have Black D? Didn't she gone to prison for drug dealing? Lovely. I love these people. They're just, they're just so bad, so bad, and so sad, so sad. Uh, what else do we have? Oh yeah, all well, the um, papers making big deal, as I say. Bake Off poached by Channel Four. Perhaps we can get rid of Mel and Sue at the same time. Find somebody else funny. But there again, Channel Four doesn't really have anybody funny, does it? Uh, Paul Hollywood will be there, and Mary Berry. We think we don't know. And uh, it's the most watched show on television. So what is it about? The money. And uh, the BBC was priced out. And the makers insist the deal is not about cash. Yeah, they want to seriously take it away from the BBC and make something a bit more interesting, I think. I don't know what you could make interesting about it. Uh, the BBC bosses want to have their cake and eat it, but they've lost so many programmes, basically because the people who are bidding haven't got the faintest idea what they're doing. They're losing loads and loads of programmes. Loads of programmes. But I couldn't care less. It doesn't, I mean, does it really make any difference to any of you who's actually got a programme? It, you know, it, does it matter whether it's shown on the BBC, on ITV, on Channel 4, on Channel 5, on Sky? Does it really make any difference? The answer is not really. Not really. And that's why it won't make any difference at all. They'll have paid a small fortune for it and it will probably disappear. And that's a bit sad because I'm sure it's actually got, uh, you know, some some life in it yet. How much more? I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming that when Mary Berry departs this mortal coil, which I hope for not uh, many, many years to come, I think the programme will finish. It'll have to. You can't do it without her. She is the show. She's the expert. Paul Hollywood's just the dirty old man who goes to America and cheats on the wife. And that's all it can. And then he had to come crawling back again because it turned out she looked as though she might have had a baking career. Thank God it never happened. And, um, and we all sort of sit there and watch the programme because you want to watch people who can't cook. and who are, They all look a bit needy, I've discovered, on this particular session. It's, um, it's needy people. You know, they all look as though they've got something. You know Mark Jenkins, Steve, from the hotel uh, off TV. He was the owner who went under. He's a bit of, oh, that one. God, he's now a celebrity, is he? Oh, dear, that's a bit sad, isn't it? 
Uh, now does Christmas do's all year. Yeah, is, it, is this the hotel in Blackpool? Is it Blackpool where he was there and he was a bit mad as a broomstick? And, uh, and then the hotel went bust or he went bust or somebody went bust. And they made a programme about it. And uh, it was just a sad, decaying wreck of a hotel. So they do Christmas do's. Well, that's what you say. I mean, I can forgive anybody for that, but I would think it would not be up to my standard. If I was going to go Christmas do's, it would have to be a proper thing. You know, if you really want to see uh, Christmas, and um, I think really, I think really, if, if you're sort of going, you go through all the London hotels, you go through the London hotel, and you see all the different sized Christmas trees, you know, you'd, you'd be quite, I mean, I don't know how long it takes him to dress these trees, but it's obviously quite uh, quite a while, actually, quite a while. So uh, I, th- I think that I mean I wouldn't be going to Blackpool anytime soon. I really wouldn't be going to Blackpool anytime soon. And uh, Mike in Finchley says, "How comes you're taking such a hard line on punishment of offenders?" Doesn't sound like you. We quite clearly don't know me at all. I've been taking exactly this hard line for about the past twenty-five years. Why would you think it doesn't sound like me? It's absolutely like me. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I've always said. In fact, I say it almost on a daily basis. Mark, Mike. I'm Hangham and Floggham Brigade. That's what I am. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I've never been soft on people. I'm always, you know, you, you do the crime, you do the time. Always. I've never changed at all. Never changed at all. You know, the, the, these people can't pay, we'll take it away. I'd take the house away, brick by brick. Oh, yeah, 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 that's, that's me straight away. I've never done anything. Obviously don't know the programme at all. Uh, do you still hear from Alan Dodgen? Occasionally, very occasionally, yes. And the chilli chocolate roulette. Yes, that was the day that poor Alan's life nearly ended on the programme. <laughs> Which we always thought was quite funny, actually. I think he was the only one. Oh, he, we did laugh afterwards. Well, we did. I don't think he actually laughed. Coming up, look at that. That music means it's the news at five, which is approaching at a pace. The texting killer lorry driver. Six years. He's totally ignored the advice in the future. He's too stupid. Too stupid. Perhaps he'll lose weight in prison. Princess Beatrice looking glum while the ex-boyfriend looks as happy as anything. Good. I like the idea when they look glum. Brooklyn goes out. Mother's had a few sherbets again. Bit embarrassing, isn't it? But obviously some really naff restaurant if he's wearing what you see him walking out in. A baseball cap and ripped jeans. I'm sorry, don't they possess decent clothes? Try and dress them, Vic. For goodness sake, dear. I know you've fallen on hard times. You've got to borrow from, uh, you know, don't borrow any more money from me. I don't want to lend you any more money. Oh, I've been money for boys' clothes. Don't want to do that, do you? And uh, online porn fuels sexual violence in schools. Good morning. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 13th of September. Get a diabetes check. Hard and fast rules if you think you've got diabetes, so it doesn't necessarily work all the time. If you're sweating excessively, if you go to the toilet a lot when you go to bed, that generally could be a sign that you've got diabetes. But I did check a friend of mine the other day who was going to the toilet three or four times a night. uh, And so we did check him and he was perfectly normal, perfectly normal. In fact, I checked two friends of mine, both perfectly normal. They thought they might be diabetic. Whereas I checked my reading, and my reading that day was terrible. Absolutely ghastly. Theirs was about 6.7. Mine was 15. Not, not the best re- I know, not the best reading you're supposed to have. But uh, if you think you could be diabetic, go and get a simple blood test. You can get a little stick in the chemist, I think. And you can wee on it, and that, that will tell you if you're diabetic as, uh, as well. But uh, I had a blood test taken, and I've got a little machine now, and you just, uh, you just check yourself on that one. So get a diabetes check. They reckon soon, as we told you, at least five years ago, uh, the amount of diabetes in this country is only here because of the increase in fast food places. 
We didn't have this epidemic of uh, diabetes, certainly not type 2 diabetes, uh, before fast food places came along. The advent of all those places on the high street, all the cakes. You know, I know people say, oh, you don't need to sort of... Um, you don't need to sort of eat it and all the rest of it. But years ago, you never had fast food places. We never had uh, McDonald's. We never had KFC. We never had Burger King. We never had Patisserie Valerie. We never had Chinese takeaways. Never had Indian takeaways. We didn't have anything. People cooked, surprisingly. Seems very old-fashioned, doesn't it? But yes, people actually cooked. And so that's why you've got this rise of diabetes. You do see more clinically obese people. And there is a chance that they will become diabetic. And, of course, because you're diabetic, you get all your medicine for free. For free. That's what people sort of say to me. They say, do you get everything for free? I go, yes, because you need it. Uh, 84850, uh, Steve at LBC. CJ says, I'm so fed up with the arrogant BBC. They make paying for them compulsory in the programmes and sport I want to watch. They say they can't afford, so I have to go elsewhere. Oh, the hotel was in Torquay on Channel 4. Mark Jenkins was the owner. Right. Was he the man who was, who was mad? Was, was, did we watch him and go, you are, people used to say to me, you need to go and... I was offered the chance to stay in the hotel. Do you remember? They, they were making the programme and they said, would you like to, to come up and stay in the hotel? I declined the offer. I thought it, I didn't, I didn't realise that it was Torquay. <laughs> if it was more like Faulty Towers, I suppose, that was why, actually. He charges £100 a ticket for Christmas dues, says Ian with the twins, in Torquay. I've never been to Torquay. I've never been there. Never, ever been there. I quite fancy the idea of going, but, you know, I don't know. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We read everything out on the pro... We don't miss anything out. Every single text, every single tweet is uh, read out. Unless you're particularly stupid, in which case we just delete you and you go to the sin bin and you stay there for the rest of your life. Uh, what was the other story? Oh, yes, when we were looking at, um, at this ridiculous uh, celebrity island with a bunch of old has-beens, the Ollie Locks, the funny thing was... I forgot to mention one particular person who is in there who uh, who really is the biggest drip under the sun. And I only know that because the reviewers have told me so. Uh, one of them, they've got JLS singer Aston Merigold. That was the one who was going to go back into the recording studio. Kind of a waste of time, really. Uh, Ollie Locke, the very camp, effeminate one from Made in Chelsea. Uh, Lydia Dim, who used to go out with uh, the coke bloke. And uh, also Karen Danjuk. But they were close to passing out after trekking for seven hours in temperatures over 30 degrees with no food and little to drink. You see, I wouldn't pass muster on this show because I'm a diabetic. I couldn't walk for that amount of time with no water. You know, if I'm going for a walk through London or we're going shopping, I have to take a bottle of water with me. I've also got to be fairly near a toilet at the same time. Anyway, worried by the lack of water, Aston Merigold says, there's no way I'm risking my life for this, and then he uses a rude word. He then sends out the distress signal for help, later admitting he wants to quit. A show source tells us Aston totally underestimated the challenge and thought there would be treats and help because it was like TV. He admits he's used to people doing everything for him and it shows on the island. In other words, he's blooming useless. Absolutely, totally useless. A big girl's blouse. A big girl's blouse. You know, people doing everything for him. Who is he? He was in a little boysy band ages ago called JLS with some nice little dance moves, but he used to dress up as a chef and dance around for seven-year-olds on television. And he can't actually sort of do anything like this. Obviously, the singing career finished, matey. So uh, you need to sort of do that. Also, as they waited for someone to answer their distress signal, nightclub fan Ollie thought his days were over. I mean, honestly, there's something the matter with these people, isn't it? They really are all a little bit needy. Needy and drippy. That's what we call them around here. Needy and drippy. Uh, I think David uh, Beckham is amazing, says Sharon. But you make me laugh when you do your impersonation of him. Um, you think, why do you think he's amazing? 
Don't you just think it's because every day he's been rammed down your throat? You know, David Beckham models underpants. David Beckham, you know. And to be honest with you, every time every, anybody saw a picture of him in his underpants, they were going, oh, looks like they've used the, uh, the photo, shoot, uh, photo shoot sock. Photo shoot sock again. You know, because no man looks like that in his pants. You just don't. You know, I'm a man. I know what people look like in their pants because I look at myself in the mirror in my pants. Take that thought out your mind and back in the room. And, uh, and so that's what David Beckham does. He apparently knows about whiskey. No, he doesn't. In fact, he's just got a funny squeaky little voice. He eats takeaway pizza. You can't really put him in a posh restaurant because he doesn't know how to eat properly. And uh, and the kids don't have any clothes to wear. So when they do poncy them up, they all look a bit peculiar. They look like they're doing an advert for Burberry or something, which they probably are. So it's all a bit, you know, why why do you like him? Is it because you think he's good looking? And because Rebecca Luce had a bit of a go at him, you think you could have a bit of a go at the same time. I think that's how it. Uh, I, th- I think that's how it works, isn't it? I think that's how it works with David. They go, isn't David Beckham great? And yet when you see him on the television, he's sort of get. He's a bit like that, isn't it? He sort of, he goes into this sort of smiley, sort of funny little mood. I've pointed out to you before. Check it out. Don't don't take my word for it. But if you actually see, you know, him on uh, the Michael Parkinson show when Victoria was on there, she did all the talking. He just sat there, a bit like that. You know, and she sort of talked to you. And that's when she called him Golden Balls. And we all looked at him. And I thought, he's a bit remedial, isn't he? He's not, he's not the full ticket. I have a suggestion, says Paul in uh, Godalming. I heard somebody pronouncing it like that a short while ago. Godalming. And actually, where did I hear the other day? Was it um, Katie Hopkins? Uh, somebody um, told her they were calling from a such and such place and that she'd never heard of it. Which I thought... She's shocking with geography. I didn't realise. There was one particular place in Surrey. It, it wasn't Godalming, but it was something like that, Brightling Sea. Or, and she went, oh, I've never heard of that. And you think, you must have done. I've heard, I've heard people on before, but it's Godalming, incidentally. And uh, Paul says, I've got a suggestion for the BBC to replace the Great British Bake Off. You and Jeremy Clarkson starring in The Great Producer Bully Off. Fantastic. I'm all up for that. Were you up for that one? Producer's up for that one. He likes that idea. There's no contest, he says, really. He says, because he will actually win. He will win. And he knows what the prize is as well. Don't you? You know what prize there is coming your way. <laughs> I love it, actually. Poor old Paul in Godalming. That's like a giant council estate, Godalming. Have you been there? Oh, truth above, I tell you. You see more blue lights at night in Godalming than anywhere else. It's just one of those sort of places. <laughs> it's not called bullying. And also, it's got nothing to do with you. Why don't you mind your own business? Nosy little old bag. Go and peep through somebody else's neck curtains. I love people who interfere with things that got nothing to do with them. They don't understand. They're too simple to understand it. <laughs> Let's see what else he's written. Let's see what else he's written. Oh, he's talking about southern trains. Oh, he's a southern train person, which is slightly disturbing, actually. And uh, he says produ- uh, the producers. No, there's not the conductors. He's obsessed with producers, isn't he? Uh, take th- take uh, too much time off. Incidentally, I don't know about me and Jeremy Clarkson starring in the great producer bully off. I've never hit him in my life next door. Merely time, I think. Merely time, isn't it? We c- I think, really, a bit of wrestling could take place. Don't you think so? A little bit of wrestling? Have you ever wrestled before? We could wrestle on the beach. We could fly out to Bondi. We could, we could have a little barbecue going, and the one who doesn't get drowned in the surf could come back and eat, eat at the barbecue. The Great Barbie Bake Off, it could be called. Do you have the Bake Off over in Australia? Do they have a version of it? No. Lots of... It, it is, it's a bit boring, isn't it, for you? Because they don't actually... I don't think Australia, you find much, much food. It's all, um, you know, steak and chips with egg. 
That's about it. You don't really have... They have a lot of Italian places over there. But to be honest with you, if you're sitting in the heat all the time, who wants to eat hot food? whole idea is you probably want to eat lots of salads and, and stuff like that. Actually, I could drink at the moment. I could drink a milkshake at the moment, an ice-cold milkshake. Why is there nowhere at this time of the morning that you can get an ice-cold milkshake from? Sorry? Vanilla? Yeah, um, well, not really, no. Chocolate. I like chocolate. Chocolate and banana mixed together is quite nice. With ice cream. That would be quite nice, wouldn't it? What I'll have to do, I'll have to buy one of those Nutribullet things. Bring it in here. We'll put some milk in and we'll get some ice cream. And we'll make ice cream floats. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? God, you're going to be so fat by the time we get to Christmas. You better fit into those shirts properly. Uh, Steve, Hillary may pull out of the race for the White House and Bake Off may be looking for a new star. Coincidence? Uh, could be, couldn't it? I like that idea. I like that. Caroline says, I've been trying to find on my Sky Box TV guide the underground programme you spoke of yesterday. No, I can't remember any of these things. Don't get off. Listen, that was yesterday. You have to go back to yesterday's programme. I can't remember anything. I can only think about things that take place today. I can't, I can't do anything else. Mick says, am I the only one who thinks the police are clutching at straws over the Stephen Lawrence case? Two trials, two convictions, and now they come up with this new evidence. But apparently it wasn't near where they thought. It, it wasn't near. It was, uh, it was a bit of a way away. It's, it, I have to be honest, it's, it's almost too late, isn't it, really? It's like sort of the hunt for Madeleine McCann. There's, they, they should have done this years and years ago. Years and years ago, but they didn't. They didn't do, uh, they didn't do anything at all. Uh, I really want these plastic fibres. If anybody gets one, could you send me one? It's a way of raking in money, isn't it, for make some noise? But uh, no, I, I mean, I wonder if I could go into the bank today and just say, excuse me, could I have a plastic fiver? Do you think they would give, or they go, do you bank with us? It's always the way, isn't it? I remember taking some money into, excuse me, Lloyd's Bank years ago. I used to save money. Every day I get home, I empty my pockets of change. Doesn't matter what it is, pound coins, 20, and so I always use notes. Always use notes. And then the chain goes, change goes into a, a big pot. And then at the end of the month or two months or three months, whatever it is, I take it to one of these machines, empty it in there. And I've generally got about three or four hundred quid. I know. I mean, last time I think it was about four hundred and thirty quid or something, which I was quite pleased about. They look at it. They go, oh, you would like to cash that in? You go, yeah. They look at it and go, we'll have to get that from accounts. <laughs> you have to wait till they go upstairs. But uh, I remember doing it and I took it into Lloyd's Bank. And, uh, and normally you put it through and I had all these bags. I carefully counted it all out and put it in there. And they used to put it on a little machine and then push the button. The needle would say it was accurate. The first thing she said to me, was, she said, uh, do you have an account with us? I said, no, I'm just, just changing this money up. She said, I'm sorry, I can't change it. So they didn't change it. They were so stuck up at Lloyd's Bank. I was so glad that I didn't bank with them. Uh, so uh, I, I then discovered these, uh, these uh, Coinstar machines, which I know you have to pay for, but to be honest with you, I couldn't care less. It's like free money as far as I'm concerned. Uh, loads of free money. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Uh, story in the paper today about primary school. Angry parents have slammed a primary school after it made all of its toilets unisex. Now, I don't know what age... Uh, primary school goes up to. I mean, I, I really don't know. I know that you can be from seven, can't you? They fear that youngsters could be bullied or even sexually assaulted by older pupils in the facilities and claim they were not consulted over the changes made in the holidays. Lisa Carano, whose seven-year-old daughter goes there, says pupils have been saying they're afraid of using the toilets in case older kids peer over the top of the cubicle or take a photo on the iPhone. Uh, apparently, this is in North Holt in West London, uh, Willow Tree Primary School had done it to cater for transgender pupils. This was not confirmed by this. Well, how many transgender pupils have they got? 
for goodness sake. I think they're overestimating the amount of transgender. I really do. 200 pupils had signed a petition yesterday over the gender-neutral lose. Parents were invited to meet the headmaster, head teacher now, Sue Stanley, who said in a statement, there have been a number of unisex toilets at the school since it opened in 2000, never been any issues. She said new lockable unisex cubicles had full-height doors. So there you go. Never heard of such a thing before. Unisex toilets for children. I mean, it probably could lead to all sorts of things. But then, you know, that's up to the school to try and weed out the bullies and get rid of them. But, I mean, transgender pupils. How many are there? Uh, somebody says, did you mention your car was back in the garage again? It don't, no, not again. It's going in for its 6,000-mile service. When you hit 6,000 miles, you go in for a service. That's quite normal, actually. Quite normal. Uh, the Coin County Machine in Metro Bank is commission-free and you don't need an account, says Paul. Uh, Anna says, don't slurp your drink. I think that's an outrageous thing to say. Is anybody will tell you? I never slurp my drink. It's far too rude. Wouldn't find me doing anything like that on the programme. Good grief. And uh, and Mike says, I've, I use my Nutribullet every day. I managed to lose two stone. Yeah, I've seen I've seen all the adverts on the television. I've watched these adverts because they just go on forever and ever and ever, don't they? And eventually you start going, oh, for goodness sake, give me something else. So you turn over and you've already got a steam mop, you know, or a shark of this. Or sh- oh, God, it's so boring. Um, you know, it really is. It's very dull. I'm so bored with the same adverts. Not so good. So let's hope that uh, they can eventually find something else to advertise. Because I sit there watching it. Oh, I love it, actually. And uh, Jean says, keep off the Prosecco for a month. Uh, and see what your reading is then. Good God, are you mad or something? Uh, Sam Neill, probably most famous for starring in Jurassic Park. Yes, yes, I should imagine that uh, Jurassic Park would feature fairly heavily. Uh, Mark Jenkins Hotel, as everybody's now told me, is in Torquay. And from sunny Western Supermare. Uh, what do you do with your hanging baskets over the autumn winter? Throw them out. I throw them out. I don't uh, keep them. I give them to our cleaner. Uh, Only this time round, I I got rid of them before, and I might put winter hanging baskets in. My next-door neighbour's put winter hanging baskets in. She's been very good. She's planted them all up. I'm not really sure I'll bother this year. I'll probably put in some... I'll empty the pots over the next week and a half, something like that, and then probably put in some winter flowering pansies, which we shall keep over the winter season. Because I love it in the morning... When you, when you come down, the winter flowering pansies, and the frost has got them, and they're all collapsed. But later in the day, they're all fully erect, and, uh, and sort of all the yellows and the blues and things like that. I love them. When, when, they're, when they're sticking straight up, that's my most favourite time. In the morning, when they're all, you know, limp, you think, oh, perhaps they've actually died. But they haven't died, which is good news, isn't it? And don't forget, pinch them out. Pinch them out. That's my, uh, that's my advice. You know what pinching out means? Do you understand that? When you, when you plant the plant, I'll tell you this because this is, this is the best thing that you will ever hear. First of all, tomorite was the first best thing. Secondly, if you put winter flowering pansies, pansies in, when you actually get them, they'll have some flowers on. Pick them off. Pick off all the flowers, pick off all the buds and everything because each flower will push all its energy into the, in, into the flower. The plant will push its energy into the flower and that's what you don't want. What you want is the plant to spread and so the idea is, and it's quite time-consuming, I have to be honest with you, that you come out somewhere and you think, I haven't got the energy to start picking off buds because they hide under leaves and everything. And you literally, the moment you see a flower start forming, pick it off. And you keep going until you've decided that the plant has spread enough to give you a really good display. So keep picking them off, keep picking them off, keep picking them off. Even though you'll have the winter frost in the morning, pick off any flowers. If a flower pops up, pick it off straight away. And then the plant will spread. Once it's done that, then you stop and you leave them. And I promise you, you'll have a display that will last you all the way through the winter. So 
you know, the more the more erect you want them to be, the more you need to pinch out. OK, a little bit of hard and fast uh, advice for you this morning there from the Steve Allen Horticultural Green Fingers Brigade. I like things like that. I, li- I like I like telling people about uh, about trying to do that, because that was that that advice was given to me ages ago by a well-known gardener called Christine Walkden. And I've adhered to it ever since. And I've always had the best display of uprights that you'll uh, you'll ever see. And try and pick, if you really want more of an impact, don't pick loads of different colours of winter flowering pansies. Uh, you can either do the little tiny ones, which is even more difficult to pick the heads off. The bigger ones are better, and you get more of a display. And uh, I always think blue and yellow together looks nice. I know it sounds a bit naft, or failing that, red and yellow. But blues you get, they do a nice pale blue, which looks uh, looks really good, actually. Really, really good. Uh, listening at Istanbul Airport, Mervyn and Barbara... Listened every day whilst in Cape Town. Now you're in Istanbul. Good God, honestly, you're all over the blooming place, aren't you, really? <laughs> I like the idea that people are people are listening to this programme throughout the world. Doesn't matter. I couldn't care if you're listening, you know, on holiday or delivering. And, uh, Steve, I'd like a milkshake with you. Chocolate flavour with milk from Jersey cows and fresh cream ice cream. Oh, God. Uh, John says, I use my Nutribullet every day and managed to lose £99 immediately. Well, I can get them for 79 I tell you what I bought the other day. I bought another one of those halogen ovens because I like them. I like them to look pristine all the time. And they've gone up in price. They used to be about 26 quid. Uh, now they're about 41 pounds. A lot of money, isn't it? To work a few more days to get the uh, get the money in for that. And uh, and somebody says primary school finishes at 10, says Anna. Oh, right. So you can do what? Six till 10, something like that. Would that be about the uh, sort of the ages? I bank with Nationwide. And when I went in recently with eight bags of pound coins, they wouldn't take all eight bags, only three. I was told they don't have enough room to accept coins from uh, over the counter. I then said, how small is your vault? And the cashier said, with pierced lips, it's not the point. Yes. I went to the RHS show Wisley, uh, had hanging basket with ferns and looked fab all year round, said Sue. Are they plastic? Ferns are very difficult to grow, very difficult. Moss, I find, uh, great ease in growing. <laughs> very ease. Uh, lovely picture of Madonna. Um, I thought her career had finished, but she's going through an airport. She flew into London to be with teenage son Rocco. He, of course, has flown out the airport to get away from her. And uh, this is after the battle was settled. She'd been concerned that Rocco was starting a new school without his dad being around, because he's away in California, so she jets in. Imagine, Madonna's your mother. Small wonder the poor boy's traumatised by everything. Uh, What happened to the names in the frames? And they've got uh, a lovely picture uh, thing in the uh, mirror today in the daily mirror they've got a picture thing uh, one is toff hat and tails and that's boys uh who uh th- th- all these are famous pictures this is tim dyson who is pictured here uh, a harrovian uh after this picture was taken his schoolmate peter wagner joined the family stockbroking firm and died in hospital aged 60 in 1984 tim dyson pictured here what what they've actually got is two toffs with their top hats, waiting to go to Harrow, and they've got three working-class boys looking at them going... <coughs> Excuse me, they weren't looking at them doing that. <coughs> they were looking at them in sort of um, mock horror, I think. But anyway, uh, Tim died of diphtheria 13 months after this picture was uh, was taken. Um, also, they've got the picture of Tiananmen Square. We all remember Tiananmen Square. This was back in 1989, where one man stood in front of the uh, the tanks... 
and, uh, oh dear, hundreds of lives. He's never been identified, the man who stood in front of the tanks. Uh, whether he's still alive, I think, remains to be seen, but I suspect he probably is not. Also, uh, the American athletes, Smith and Carlos, raising their fists in a black power salute uh, at the 1968 Mexico City Olympics. They were protesting about civil rights and racial discrimination. Uh, there's also the uh, the sailor kissing the nurse in New York. We all remember that picture. Do you remember that one? It turns out that the pair were identified as Greta Zimmer Friedman and uh, George. Uh, Greta passed away last week, aged 92, in Virginia. But they were that famous picture. Almost the streaker. Yes, the streaker. This was the, uh, the man at an England rugby match. His name was Michael O'Brien. Streaking was very in. He decided to take all his clothes off. And uh, the policeman took his helmet off and covered the offending article. And um, it was a very cold day. Michael had nothing to be proud of. He was fined £10, uh, the amount his pals had bet him to do the streak. He returned to Australia and became a successful stockbroker. He later claimed he regretted the stunt because it started a craze for streaking. We had Erica Rowe with those huge bosoms. She started streaking as well. Everybody's done it. At one point, you take all your clothes off and you just run down a road, start naked. Yeah, it doesn't happen all the time, but, you know, it's got to be fairly warm. You don't do it on a cold day, do you? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. <laughs> morning, everybody. Tuesday, 13th of September, 27 minutes to 6. Welcome to the uh, the morning. What happened to the lads on the stag do in New York with the blow-up rubber doll, says Jeanette? I don't know. We're waiting. I'm hoping that's going to crop up soon in the press. I'm really, really hoping, really hoping. These were the people who took to the 9-11 memorial a blow-up uh, sex doll and posed with it and they were clearly identified in the paper i just want to know exactly who they are and which bank they work for please god it's not mine uh the mps have now spoken and talking about the dog trade this ran for about three days in the mirror the other week the story was that uh, over in one part of china uh, where they have a dog festival they don't celebrate the dog they eat the dog they hang them up uh, they hang them by their neck until they die because the trauma that they suffer makes the meat better. They also boil them alive. They take the dog and they throw it in a pot of boiling water and they put the lid on and the dog can't get out and it boils alive. It's the most disgusting trade I've ever seen, but I have to accept the fact that that's what people do in other countries. We might not approve of it. Then it turns out that some of the greyhounds from... These are greyhounds, by the way. Some of the greyhounds from this country are sent over to China... Uh, to do greyhound racing, these are, I'm presuming, retired greyhounds. And then after they've uh, served their purpose, they end up in the dog markets. And that's where there are cages and cages and cages full of dogs, which they will they will sort of kill and cut up in front of you, and people eat dog meat. I don't know, I mean, I, I can't understand. It's no good asking me to explain it, because I've got no idea. I just feel horrified when I read about things like that. I know that dog lovers everywhere go, well, what can we do about it? The answer is I don't know what we do about it. MP, MPs have said, excuse me, that they're going to uh, make sure that we try and stamp out this trade. But then I've, I've driven down the motorway before and I see uh, lots of lorries going down there and you can see sheep, you know, with their noses poked through and animals and you know that they're going to the abattoir. And, you know, we don't sort of head those off, do we? And yet, if we put a puppy or a dog or a cat or something else up there, we all go, oh, good Lord. Yet you go to China, you'll find animal markets all over the place where you can buy anything from terrapin to snake, ducks, dogs, cats, you name it. If it's, if it's got four legs and it's not a table, it's edible. It's as simple as that. Uh, the man who was never identified at Tiananmen Square 
Uh, said uh, Somebody said, I think he would have been identified after the tank ran over him. I don't think they did, though. That was the thing, didn't they? I can't remember exactly what happened. I don't think his life would have ended uh, particularly well because China's human rights record is, uh, is just absolutely disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. People just disappear over there for all sorts of reasons. And then they just sort of go, no idea. You see them in, in court. You see these kangaroo court things that they seem to have. And uh, the next thing is the person has vanished or they've been taken out and, uh, and dies. Uh, just like you, Steve, says Tony, I too save change in money boxes. Every month, empty them and use a Coinstar machine. A small windfall every month. Yeah, I mean, I th- I, to be honest with you, I think it's actually quite, uh, quite a good way of, of doing it. It's just, I look on it as a bit of extra money. It saves me having to stand there and I, I get so angry. So I shouldn't get angry, but you know if you're standing in a supermarket queue and I always try and race to put the stuff in the bag before the girls finish doing all of it, like that, so they're there. And I've always got the money ready. No, not certain people, certain people. All the stuff, and then they start ferreting around for their, um, for their purse. And then once they've found the purse, they then have to produce the discount card they've got, which they touch onto it and they get bonus points. And then they decide to pay by card for their food. And you think, why don't you just get your purse out to start with? Why are you faffing around now? It's really annoying. Very, very annoying. But uh, that's just me. I just get very angry about people who aren't prepared for it. And then, or failing that, the, the, the checkout assistant, not the till, who starts talking to people. Talking to people. What are you talking? Oh, there was a woman the other day. Oh, lovely to be, see you again. How are you? I'm very good. Get on with it. I don't want to stand here. It's a supermarket. They say, apparently, that the supermarket queues are getting longer and longer and longer. And I won't do. My God. God, Jeannie Wolf's looking old. I've just noticed. Entertainment journalist. She must be in her 90s by now, mustn't she? Poor old soul. She's still going. I love Jeannie Wolf. But she is... In America, only over there do the um, the entertainment correspondents go on until they're about 97 and then they just drop dead in front of you, which is quite funny. Following reports that fraud is a booming business in uh, Britain, it seems the government is badly failing to solve this very serious and expensive problem. Do you know, costing the UK economy £193 billion a year... Billion pounds a year. And we're all boosting identity fraud by using unreliable signature systems because of the event of crime. So can you make the government focus on saving these massive losses to fund the NHS, says Yogesh. If only. If only. And uh, another one here. Before you came on, I was watching a Netflix documentary, says Lynn, called Forks Not Knives. It's about how our diet affects diabetes and cancer and how being on whole foods, plant-based food, in three weeks you can reduce your cholesterol by 46% by week 20. The ones with diabetes by uh, two were back to normal. So there you go. Sounds quite exciting, doesn't it? We like things like that. Uh, Steve, I was thinking of going to the bank and getting a new £5 note. And uh, you told me not to go to Richmond. It's too upmarket. So I went to Essex. Much, much more you. Much more you. She said, uh, me and my older sister and her children were eating loads of cakes. They prepared a banquet for me. Don't buy the juice maker. It's way too noisy. Actually, I would never buy a juice maker because I can't have juice. Uh, being diabetic, juice is not particularly good for me. Even though they say, oh, put, you know, this in there and that in there. To be honest, and then they, you watch them rinsing it out on television. It looks fantastic. But I'd never use the thing. I've got loads of little gadgets at home. You know, that I would never use again. I've got baskets, little little um, baskets you put over boiling water to steam your vegetables in. It's great if you do a lot of cooking, but if you don't use a lot of cooking, what's the point? And I don't do a lot of cooking. I do a lot of sort of, you know, semi-cooking. Semi-cooking. I'm not too sure whether semi-cooking is a good thing or uh, or not. Uh, front page of the, uh, the Daily Mail today, they're talking about uh, the BBC losing Bake Off. Who cares? Programmes change hands all the time. They go there, they have, a, they have a run, then it comes up and somebody goes, I'll bid you more. And so I think the BBC lost out for about 20 million uh, on uh, to bake up. 
uh, Bake Off, and um, and that's that's the way it goes actually. So if it moves there, it moves there. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter, you know, where where the program goes. It matters, I suppose, if uh, if if somebody is going to buy the thing and then they're going to put the same people on there. And you know, they might not when they move the program. They might not want. Uh, Mary Berry or poor Hollywood. They might want other people. He's apparently going off to do a motoring show, which means that, again, we're going to be bored with somebody who one minute is doing uh, cookery, and we all go, oh, you do cook the next minute, go, oh, but he's really into doing motoring. So you have to put up with multitasking presenters, which is very dull and very boring. I noticed the other day Paul Martin, I think it is, who does an antiques programme, he appears to have a small farm and a small holding, which he was allowed to plug outrageously on the television the other day, talking about his, uh, what was he selling on there? He was selling all sorts of things. You know, we've, we've now got this and we do, And I'm thinking, this is a blatant advert on the BBC for somebody who's obviously got their own business. I mean, are the BBC, you know, charging him money to run this free advert? It was on um, Countryfile. Never seen anything like it. Talk about really, really naughty. They're not supposed to be doing things like that. But here they were doing it and nobody complained about it. Producer must be, oh, did they get free samples or something like that? Can't imagine how else they managed to let things like that uh, actually get through. Um, what else we got here? Hillary Clinton is she telling us the whole truth about her ailing health? Uh, in January, she started the coughing. By the time we got to September the fifth and the sixth, she was coughing like a gooden. And during a visit to a halfway house, she was helped upstairs, and uh, it's not looking good. She fainted. Now she had this uh, this dramatic collapse in the streets. It's not good at all. Did we find out the other day how old she was? Did somebody say she was uh, 68? Yeah, 68. But they say now she may never recover in time for her run for the White House, which is what James O'Brien predicted the other day. He said, I don't think she's going to run for the White House. And uh, but the way the papers are talking about it, I think they, uh, they could possibly be right. Uh, another one here. Which says, uh, oh, this is Michelle, who says, drop the dog stories. They're the only show that cheers me up. Nobody needs horror stories. I'm sorry, it's front page story. I have to do front page stories. It's important. And if you just brush it under the carpet, Michelle, then uh, you're doing no, no service whatsoever to animals. So obviously you're not an animal lover, which is a shame, because if you were an animal lover, you'd be uh, backing this to the hilt. But obviously you couldn't care less about it. So that's a bit disappointing. A little bit disappointing. I was hoping that you might have been an animal lover, but obviously you're not. And uh, Steve, with the state of uh, Hillary's, uh, Clell, uh, Hillary's health now called into question, perhaps Donald Trump's mental health should also be called into question. He appears to be quite insane. I mean, I just, to be honest with you, I don't like either of them. I don't know. But I think at 68, she's too old. I know she doesn't look 68, but there again, I don't know what a 68-year-old is supposed to actually look like. Uh, what else we got here? Um, we've got uh, TV's Dragon takes her children out of school for a year-long world tour. This is Sarah Willingham. I've got no idea who Sarah Willingham is. But apparently they say she's, uh, she's a, a Dragon's Den judge and she's taking the kids on a, on a holiday uh, for a year. A year. She says, I need to be a mum. I need to nurture. I need to cook and feed my kids. I need to cuddle them. That's just who I am. So they're going to Canada. Then they're going on a tour of South America, stopping in Ecuador, Guatemala, Colombia and Patagonia. They then journey to Australia, followed by Bali, Sri Lanka, Thailand and Japan. And uh, so she's taking them out of school. I don't know. Isn't that illegal? You're allowed to just take children out of school. Uh, she's previously spoken about breastfeeding in the boardroom after foregoing maternity leave. But they're going to be joining various schools along the way, including a circus school in Byron Bay, Australia. And uh, apparently 
Minnie, who's one of her young children, her geography subject this year is volcanoes, and we'll be living at the bottom of one for six weeks in Guatemala. So it's lovely. She was well known for buying a successful chain of upmarket Indian restaurants called Bombay Bicycle Club and managing Pizza Express, rumoured to be worth 12 million. But again, she's another one of the attention seekers. She's done an interview in Hello magazine, which is the same magazine that Danny Dyer flogged his tedious marriage to. I always worry about these celebrities, this insatiable need that they have to share their world with people. And then the moment people get too close to them, we go, oh, I'm sorry, we don't allow things like that. Does your bloom... Spell social doom. The only reason I ask is because there will be ladies listening and there will be that opportunity, maybe on a Friday night when the old man comes home and he brings you a bunch of flowers. Well, at one time, gladioli were seen as naff. Nobody but nobody wanted a bouquet of flowers with gladys in. But all of a sudden, sales are soaring. In fact, everywhere you go now, you see people holding gladys. There are all sorts of flowers which are in and sorts of flowers which are out. Uh, I always thought gladdies were quite nice because you watch them emerge. Very pretty, very nice sort of flower. Uh, what's out? Uh, lilies are out. Thank God for that. I'll be glad to see the back of lilies. Uh, they look elegant and tall, but what you have to cut out is that middle bit with that pollen on. Because once you get that on your fingers, your clothing, you'll never get rid of it. Chrysanthemums are in. Why? Because they last a fair amount of time. Gypsophilia is in. That's uh, baby's tears is another name for it. It's that little little stuff which looks stick-like and you put it with roses and looks very pretty. Orchids are out, which is a shame because I like orchids. Roses, always in. You can get bunches and bunches of roses for six, seven quid now, which have come from uh, places where they're grown and they make money. And they're lovely. You get the most beautiful colours of roses. I've seen some staggering roses. And, you know, if you want to uh, want to buy somebody something nice, get them three or four bunches of roses, because that will cost you about 18 quid. But, you know, that's about £20 worth. Beautiful. Seriously. Get them, you know, a whole bunch. You get about 15, I think, of yellow and 15 of red and 15 of white. Absolutely gorgeous. What's in, what's out? Still to come. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. 12 minutes to 6, Tuesday morning. So the other uh, blooms, which spell social doom, begonias. Out. Out. Don't buy begonias. Uh, Carnations. Out. You always find them in Chinese restaurants. You know why? You can make a carnation last for about a week. It's a cheap flower to put on a table. Sunflowers. Out. Sorry to break that to you. Peonies are in. Peonies are in. They're quite pretty, actually. Big blousy head of petals in a light pink or dark red, usually bowing under its own way. Uh, sunflowers say out. Wild spring flowers are in, which is lovely. I love it. Some of the, There's a dreadful roundabout. As you're going into Richmond, on the lower Richmond Road, there's a roundabout there. It's about the filthiest roundabout I've ever seen. Going into Richmond, of all places. You'd think they actually could have brightened it up and got some, you know, nursery to go there in the early hours of the morning, dig it all up and plant it with shrubs or something that's going to last for ages and ages. It doesn't need any looking after. You know, a permanent flowering fuchsia or something like that, which you can get an all-year-round fuchsia. Put something in like that, but they've just left it. It looks disgusting. Really, Richmond, with all its money, terribly rich borough, loads of rich people. They can't even afford to clean up the roundabout. God knows what the council do down there. So, uh, yeah, so you're, getting rid of, um, you're getting rid of lilies... And you're getting rid of orchids and you're getting rid of sunflowers, carnations and begonias. And so what you're left with, really, I mean, you can't really put gypsophilia with uh, gladioli. You really They just look silly. The flower is too big. And so what you have to do is you put gypsophilia with roses. And they're really, really good. 
Really good value. They look so lovely. And all you, you don't have to arrange anything nowadays. If you're taking flowers home... And, of course, the majority of women would be fairly suspect in this day and age, wouldn't they? So wait a minute. You go home on a Friday night, you're running a little bit late, and you go, I'll go with some flowers. What have you done? Where have you been? This is Mrs Vaz. Where have you been? How many flowers are there? Oh, my God. Where have they come from? East European. East European what? Flowers. Thank you. And that's the only thing you can worry about, isn't it, in this day and age, where the flowers come from and whether or not somebody's trying to buy themselves out of a little bit of trouble. So uh, I think roses, I still think roses are lovely. I think they're absolutely lovely. And uh, just in a, in a tall vase on the fireplace hearth, gladioli, lovely. Stunning collection at the Savile Gardens in Egham, says Mark. And, um, and somebody says, Sarah Willingham used to be an expert on Clive Bull's show. Very irritating, shouty woman, says Do. Does she really? I love the way she used to be then, that's okay. Uh, Dell says, haven't heard you for a while, been a tad ill. Actually, I heard um, uh, one of our other regulars, I can't tell you who it is, is, uh, is not very well at the moment, but uh, they know who they are. Stephen Wiltshire says, I love my kitchen gadgets. I got the best ever one from Amazon the other week, the swan egg boiler and poacher. Perfect eggs every time. I saw something that, that cooked an egg in a tube or something. Was it a cooked in a Perhaps I didn't see it. Perhaps I, perhaps I dreamt it. And uh, read your flower basket, says Mick. I'm assuming that your butler stroke gardener would take the task on. Oh, I don't know. I I don't have anything to do with the staff at home. Somebody else looks after the staff. Much easier. And uh, one here, which is coming to 84850, says, I'm in the plant industry. Would love to know the source to the in-out you just read, says Jeff. To the in... What was the in-out? Oh, the the source is the the papers uh, today. And uh, I'll tell you where it comes from. Uh, it's from a, a florist, and uh, it's somebody here who is talking about gladioli. One variety she championed was so popular, it was selling at £2.50 a stem. So the Daily Mail. Can't miss it. Does your bloom spell social doom? Because I should imagine everybody uses gypsophilia, don't they? But uh, sunflowers, a bit dated. A bit dated. Begonias, very, very dated. Carnations, very, very dated. We used to dye them different colours, actually. Because uh, it's capillary action in carnations, as you know. So uh, for weddings, I used to know a lady who was a florist, and she would sit them in a bucket of dye. She'd take white carnations, and if somebody wanted blue or something, she would put some blue vegetable colouring in the water, and then just sit the carnations in there overnight. By the next day, the bloom had changed, the uh, the red, sorry, the white carnation had changed to blue tinged all the way around the outside and also in Costco at Christmas they get roses big headed you know really big head on it and what they do is they dip them in glitter so you get the tinging of the it looks beautiful it really does I'm not in favour of sort of of uh, of sort of cheating on flowers and making them do things they're not supposed to do but I quite like the idea of changing colours for something to suit somebody's bridal dress which uh, which happened apparently the egg machine features in Bridget Jones first film you know I've never seen any of the Bridget Jones movies i've never seen i always thought that they were they were girly films that's what i thought although i watch steel magnolias and never fail to cry every time i watch it uh, our council planted a lovely bed of wildflowers it's stunning wish more would follow so it's so easy to do they've done it up by um the hogarth roundabout in the summer there they just obviously threw seeds down and you got a, like a little meadow of wild why can't they do that why can't they do that that would be the thing to do wouldn't it go to roundabouts just put the earth down and rake it all over and make sure it's all mulch and everything else. I just throw some seeds all over it. Get a you know couple of pounds worth of wildflower seeds. There's all sorts of companies that supply it. And just put a sign on it, you know, supplied by the wildflower company or something like that. Chuck it all down there and then you've got a roundabout that looks beautiful. 
They seem to manage it in other countries. Why we can't do it over here? I've got no idea. Always complaining about no money, and yet they've got more enough money to dig up the blasted road every time and inconvenience everybody. That's what annoys me about this country. You seem to waste money on all the wrong things. Uh, you say it really doesn't matter to Bake Off fans, of which I'm not one, says Chris in Fulham, but he's now in Mauritius. Uh, whether it's on BBC or Channel 4, I suspect viewers will be hugely disappointed to have their enjoyment disrupted by tedious commercial breaks every 10 to 15 minutes. That's how they make it work. That's how they afford it. It's because they've got the commercial breaks. And, uh, no, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree with you that, uh, you know, the moment programmes move from the BBC and they put commercial breaks in, that's how they pay for it. That's why I say, I'd have said already, you obviously missed that bit of the programme, I said it won't be at all successful on Channel 4 because it'll have ad breaks in it and because it'll be one of these things where they'll be doing it their own way. They won't be copying it directly. Otherwise, it'd be silly. I mean, you probably won't have Mel and Sue. They'll try and find somebody that's like Dom Jolly or somebody like that to do a little piece on it. But I can't, I can't really see it working at all. But there again, the BBC have always wasted your money anyway. But uh, that's the difference between commercial and the difference between having, you know, somebody who is funded by you. You're actually paying for the BBC through your licence fee. That's why you get the, uh, the no adverts. But of course, you do get them because they're there subliminally. You get adverts and all sorts of, like I said, Paul Martin on Countryfile doing a blatant ad for a company of his that sells his products. I thought that was breaking every rule under the sun. Why has nobody complained to the BBC about it? We used to have points of view where they'd sit down there and basically say, oh, you know, uh, somebody didn't like this programme. Well, we spoke to the makers of the programme and they said that that wasn't the case at all. And that's it. They just push it to one side. They couldn't give a flying forex about you. As long as you keep sending your money into them. That's it. You mentioned many months ago, uh, Tesco is the only ATM... No, not me. I've never taken any money out of Tesco. Uh, the dish used £5. Definitely not me. I've never mentioned... I've never been to a Tesco's ATM. Never been to a Tesco's ATM in my life. I went to a Lloyds Bank one in Kingston, and that only dispensed £5 notes. So, uh, you know, I'm sure that they will be worth money, won't they? I'm, I'm pretty certain. Uh, Sean says, did you know Trump is older than Clinton? He's 70. Well, she's 68. I don't think it makes any difference whether it's two years. And uh, Andy says, my ex once said mid-argument, I bet you don't even know my favourite flower. I guess self-raising. Wrong answer, of course, as you can imagine. And uh, somebody says, uh, I listen to you every morning on the way to the gym. Listen, Jay, we don't want fit people on this programme. I'm sick to death of boring people like you who are on the way to the gym to work out at, like, coming up to six o'clock in the morning. Dear Lord above, honestly. Free carrier bags. If you buy meat from the fresh meat counter at a supermarket, you're entitled to a free bag, says Ian. Happened to me on Sunday. The lady said I could have a free one. I can't believe people are really faffing about whether you pay 5p for a bag. Seriously. I mean, honestly, come on, 5p. I bet you waste more than that on drugs. Ridiculous, isn't it? 5p for a bag, or we get it for free. Just go to a shop, which is a small shop. Paul Cooper's is a small shop. He doesn't employ 500 staff. So they don't charge for their bags. It's amazing, though, how many people seem to think that they're going to charge for the bag. And he has to say to them, uh, there's no charge for our bags, which is good. Uh, love gladioli too. I have a tall case on my mantle. I love roses, but don't you find you have to check them regularly as they drink the water so quickly? And if you miss them, they droop. I shall be using your pansy tip once daylight allows. Uh, it, I promise you, it works a treat. Uh, it's, you know, the Steve Allen guide uh, to growing winter flowering pansies to keep them going all over the festive season. Well worth it. And they don't require any maintenance. Once they've started flowering, leave them. But don't let them flower for a while. At least a month so the plant spreads. You can put two in a pot and it will spread beautifully. And, uh, and you'll get, you know, big... But don't put two different colours in one pot. 
OK, do blocks of colour. So if you've got one long trough, all blue. If you've got a tall pot next to it, all yellow. If you start mixing the colours, it kind of kind of messes up a little bit. So uh, so that's uh, it's the Steve Allen handy tip, and I promise you it works. Uh, Gary says, you can't change a flower's colour using food dye. It doesn't work. No, it does work. We've been using it for ages. What are you talking about? We've been using it for ages. I didn't say a flower. I didn't say a flower. I said carnations. Because carna- carnations work on capillary action. It uh, sucks the water up through the plant and you change the colour of the flower. A white flower you can change to any colour you want. Of course. It's not winding up. I've done it myself. So, hate to say to a taxi driver, very short... I got into taxi on Saturday morning, actually. I only learnt this this morning. Uh, Sunday morning. And uh, it said cash only. Well, apparently, according to somebody who phoned up early on, Darren, uh, taxis, very shortly, will have to take credit cards in the back of the uh, back of the taxi. So, no more signs saying cash only. When you get out, you go credit card, and they go cash only, mate. And you think, no, 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 cash only. Slightly suspect. So, that's going to change. I didn't realise it was becoming law, though. So, you heard it first. But no, capillary action on, uh, on carnations definitely change. Try it yourself overnight. White carnations, you can change to another colour. OK, there you go. Simple as that. I've known that for years. We learned that at school, capillary action. Didn't you do plants at school? Come on, Gary. Please, don't let the side down. Uh, online porn fuels sexual violence in schools. Uh, they've also got this other story about the unisex toilets in one little primary school to cover transgender pupils. How many they've got? I've got no idea. Get a diabetes check. If you're overweight, if you're sweating, if you go to the toilet a lot, that's a very good chance you could have diabetes. And today, it's the plastic fiver. I can't wait. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 13th of September, the year 2016. I don't know why I mentioned that. I very rarely mention the year, but some people have got no idea. I sometimes also get fairly confused. Uh, shock as uh, fed-up Cameron quits the Commons. What is he going to do? This is going to be discussed later on today. Get a diabetes check. There's a very good chance with all this fast food and everything else that we're going to end up with a nation of diabetics and it's going to completely bankrupt the NHS and it will all collapse and implode. It'll be an absolute disaster. Nothing to do with people coming in on hospital planes, is it? Where they just turn up, take thousands and thousands of pounds worth of of, uh, medication and operations and then just disappear and have no intention of paying it at all. We need to stop that one. After the sizzling temperature, down comes the rain, but not till tomorrow. Today, you're going to swelter. Well, that's what they've said. They've said it's going to be very humid today. Producer very excited, but of course he's going to be spending most of his day in bed. So it's not so exciting. I can't bear it. Don't do heat. Don't do humidity. So I'm going to try and get out of it as quickly as possible. Uh, Channel 4 will be taking Bake Off. Uh, Not till next year, when uh, it moves from the BBC, will it make any difference? I mean, if if people want to watch Bake Off, they'll watch it. It depends whether it takes Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood. They might not go with it. Of course, they might be earning more money if they go with Channel 4, as it's a commercial operator. Uh, Will the format of the programme change? I don't know. They just bake things, don't they? They just go, today you're baking this. I mean, last week, the one I watched was... uh, And I only watched bits of it. I don't don't seem to capture a whole programme. They were doing gingerbread. And some people were absolutely chronically awful and some people were were more than passable. There was one lady who I didn't like anyway, but I quite liked what she made, so I was quite impressed by that. But I wouldn't watch the programme out of choice. I couldn't care less whether it was on the BBC, it was on Channel 4, Channel 5, or we moved it to LBC. It just wouldn't wouldn't interest me. I'm not really into into baking-type programs. I quite like the ones that they did ages ago. There was a very good one where all they made what were they making? Was it sweets or was it cakes? Whatever it was, it was so arty. It was so beautifully done and these people made 
little cakes and and I remember thinking, God, it was it was like a it was a patisserie type program. They were making some beautiful things, but uh, but the rubbish that's turned out at the moment. Four presenters on Bake Off. Well, you can save money immediately. Just have one. Get rid of Paul Hollywood. Just have Mary Berry and don't have Mel and Sue because they don't contribute that much. They're just doing dirty dirty lines, which is great actually because I can't wait for their children. Well, one of their children uh, to be subjected to this kind of stuff when they go to school. Because that's, you know, it's it's just not very clever on the programme. It's like watching anything that's got that Chris Packham on, where he does sort of, he weaves in stupid things on the programme. It's all it's all a little bit dirty, a little bit sort of grubby schoolboy kind of humour. Not very entertaining at all. Princess Beatrice pictured in the papers this morning as part of the Beatrice and Eugenie. That's the, uh, the, the Cinderella two ugly sisters, and out they go. Anyway, Beatrice looking very glum. The ex-boyfriend looks as happy as Larry, except his name is Dave. And uh, he was out with a friend of his and they were larking about. She just looks miserable. But there again, it's not difficult to find a picture of her looking miserable. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Francis says, read your annoyance with shoppers not paying quickly. But it's just the fact some people, perhaps they haven't got a life. They stand there at the checkout and, you know, hunting around for their purse and finding the right thing and then counting out the money in pennies. Oh, goodness sake, honestly, it's ghastly. Have you tried shopping with a price gun and packing your own bags? I can pack my own bags. I tell you what I do get annoyed at. If Marks and Spencers put on a child, and it's generally men, boys, who work in Marks and Spencers, and they can't pack a bag for love nor money. Seriously, they are that dumb, some of them. They put eggs at the bottom of a bag and then stuff piled on top. Yesterday I had a, a, some heavy items and they put them on the top of the thing. I thought, no, you put those on the bottom. I mean, surely, even with a modicum of intelligence, you would know how it works. But uh, apparently, when you finish shopping, go to the self-service checkout, pay with your card and go. I don't want to put anything on my card. I certainly wouldn't put shopping on my card. I pay cash. I pay cash. I'm one of those rare people that pays cash for everything. No unloading and repacking at the normal checkout. Uh, and no annoying person at the till asking if you're having a party when they see six bottles of wine in the trolley. Uh, the only roses worth having are the ones that smell. Very few of those left, aren't they? Only the old English uh, roses smell. Now they're uh, just going for, for colour, aren't they? Uh, Steve, when I worked at Charing Cross Station, says Rob, I was always told there was a corridor that led under Trafalgar Square to a secret location. I was never allowed in there, and the door was never on our key bunch. Oh, I should imagine London is honeycombed, especially around uh, around Charing Cross Station, because that would lead down to Whitehall. There is said to be a tunnel from the theatre, the playhouse on the embankment, to St Ermin's Hotel, so that the king, when he was having assignations with his mistress, could use the tunnel to get into the royal box, and nobody would see them. And as the box was facing away from the audience, you wouldn't know he was there. And at the end of the performance, he would slip back down into the tunnel. I believe one hotel up at, um, where is it, Victoria, opposite New Scotland Yard, as used to be, uh, there's a tunnel under the staircase which goes to the river. London would be honeycombed with tunnels. I should imagine underneath Parliament there must be loads of tunnels. Loads, loads of tunnels which go there. And especially those ones I mentioned yesterday from, uh, from that house which is opposite the Whitehall Theatre. There's definitely got to be tunnels there. The railway tunnels underneath uh, Buckingham Palace for the little railway. Not proper-sized railway, otherwise, can you imagine? Queen Mother driving a, driving a train. Can't see that one at all. But, uh, no, the, I, I would think there would, that London would be honeycombed with tunnels. Absolutely honeycombed with tunnels. Uh, you're not dreaming about the vertical egg cooker. It does exist. It's called a vertigo. I don't know why I bought it, says William. And he says, as so the Mountaineers say, because it's there. One reviewer on Amazon wrote, my favourite way is to drop in a large egg, then drop in a large hot dog on a skewer, 
Take that out when it's done and pop in the hot dog bun for an instant breakfast, done by the time the coffee is ready. Yeah, you sort of break this egg into a thing and, it's in a, and it cooks it in a tube. I'm, I thought I wasn't going mad. I thought I wasn't going mad, but it, it, it did look, it looked quite nice, actually. I quite like the idea of, uh, of it, but I, I've never bought one. And I've, n- I've never thought about buying one either. Uh, oh, somebody sent me in a, a message, but I can't, uh, I can't open it in the studio. I don't know why, actually. Why can't I unload it? Wait a minute. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, no, I can't unload it. Which is, oh, I don't know. I might be able to. Wait a minute. Let's have a quick look. See if I've got some text. Uh, oh, that's right. The programme is called Bake Off Creme de la Creme, says Loretta. Wasn't it good? I thought that was really clever. I thought that was a very, very clever bake. And I'm, I don't do the bake-off programmes. And also, why is it always cakes? Why can't they bake chicken or, or something or do something more interesting or find some more interesting... Because some of these stupid people they put up on the television, I'm bored to death with show-offs. I mean, Lord above, no, goodness own knows, we've got more show-offs than you can shake a stick at on television programmes at the moment. How will you keep up with a heat wave, says Francesca? I won't. I won't. It really affects me badly. Mainly because, even though I'm on the medication uh, for, um, for my little heart monitor and my little valve which controls my temperature, uh, unfortunately it makes not a slightest bit of difference. Not a slightest bit of difference, so I suffer with the heat. Spare a thought, says Francesca. My friends and I are training for our third half marathon in Hyde Park next month. Please be willing to sponsor us. The spikers can help. What a lovely idea. I love the idea. And uh, Charlie Girling asks me what the... Am I allowed to use the F word on the radio? I'm not... I mean, that's what everybody says it is. And I put it up on my Twitter the other day, and Charlie's just used the F word. It's the... This is Daniel Radcliffe playing a corpse who breaks wind. So he's dead, but then he comes back to life, and it's it's the oddest film you'll ever see in your entire life. I've never seen a film like it. Never seen it. It's beautifully shot. It's terribly clever, and it mainly revolves around two people, as I explained at the beginning of the programme, who... Uh, one's about to kill himself by hanging... Uh, the other's drowned, but then he comes back to life again. This corpse breaks wind every so often. And it seems to bring him back to life, and he seems to have strange ethereal powers. And it's their relationship. The story is the relationship of these two young men, uh, one of whom doesn't know any- he doesn't know where he comes from, he doesn't know anything at all. It's, it's very it's convoluted. It's very bizarre. I mean, it seriously is. And then somebody said to me that, that corpses do do this. It's not unusual to have corpses all of a sudden sit up in a mortuary. And I thought, well, that must be a bit scary if you're there. There must be people popping up and down like there's no tomorrow. And then I thought it's just the gases in the body. And that's what you think it is in the case of Daniel Radcliffe. But it's not. It's something else that's going on inside of him. He can actually control everything. And, uh, and he does certain things there. We all thought it was really bizarre. I've never seen a film like it. Seriously, out of all the films I've ever seen, and I've seen some odd films in my time, this would be about the oddest. But at the same time, strangely compulsive. Steve, talking of Rose, it's so nice to have your company, Charlie, this morning. They were all there yesterday. Oh, they were all there. We had everybody. It was like the creme de la creme of British radio in one, uh, in one place. It was very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, including some people from, uh, from other stations. Not that we thought there were any other stations. Talking of roses, Steve, uh, we grew 25 acres of roses, which equated to 70,000 bushes per acre. Uh, and we're exporting two million stems to Europe a month. We employed 450 permanent staff. That was up until some of Mugabe's armed thugs 
gave us an hour to get off the farm in Zimbabwe and to rub salt in the wound, the wound, the Brits go and give this Mugabe a knighthood. It's a cruel, cruel world, says Dave from Zimbabwe. Yes, I mean, Mugabe, you know, the sooner he dies, the better. I think the happier everybody will be. Uh, a despot of the worst possible kind. He, so people, you know, grew things and had farms and employed loads of people. And then their own people went in there. They didn't have one iota of intelligence of how to actually make these, uh, these things work at all. And uh, he was just thieving. What a despot. The sooner he goes, the better. And Pat says, I love orchids. I know, but, uh, you know, apart from the, uh, the fragrant Mary, I think Bake Off format is very tired and dreary. Well, I'm just a bit bored with it now. I don't care whether they can bake or whether they can't. It doesn't sort of solve world crisis, does it? Uh, apparently, Colette says, if our plastic fibres are like the Australian notes, you can't fold them to fit into a small purse. Because apparently Australia's had these. Do you know you had plastic money over there? Hello? Are we speaking the English? You told me before the programme. I didn't take a blind bit of notes of what you say before the programme. I never listen. I've got my earplugs in. Do you not notice I'm listening to, you know, listening to, uh, to, to songs, you know. Or oh, just different songs this morning. Different songs. I can't remember this morning what I was listening to. I think it was probably religious things. I'm going through a religious epiphany at the moment. I'm having one of those... No, I'm, I'm, I'm going through, you know, hymns and stuff like that. I quite like anything that's big and stirring. You know, I quite like the idea of something, you know... I vow to thee my country is my favourite pl- thing at the moment. I'm, quite, I'm terribly patriotic. I'm probably way too patriotic for this programme, but I can't help it. I'm, I'm flag-waving. Matt Fry was in the other day doing the papers for Nick, and I went out there, and somebody said, Matt, Matt Fry was listening to the end of your programme, and he said, does this bloke get paid by the word? <laughs> Obviously trying to cram as many words as possible into the programme. No, I don't. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Mick says, dreading this heat today. We've got some very hard graft, and wish Rocky from Twickenham a very happy sixth birthday. I can't seriously believe there's anybody actually coming from Twickenham called Rocky, but there you go. Uh, I thought of you last week. I saw Davenport's Magic, Magic Museum on television. Yes, it's up the country. A friend of mine went up there. It's, uh, it's like a little, little complex. I can't remember the last time I went into the bakery for a baked chicken. We can do... I'm sure you must be able to do baked chicken, can't you? Or is it just called oven chicken? Don't they call it baked? Don't you have baked chicken? I don't know. I don't want to do baking anymore. I'm just bored with it. I think we need to move on from these baking programmes. First of all, though, we had to suffer with the antique programmes. Then we got the baking programmes. Now you've got the combination of the baking and the uh, the antique type programmes. Agnes says, take lots of vitamin C. And, uh, and somebody says, I'm walking to work. Pleased to hear about your religious epiphany. I have an epiphany every so often. The producer doesn't know what it is. He thought it sounded a bit rude. Steve Allen's having an epiphany. And uh, and occasionally I do I do watch things on the uh, on the YouTube. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. Perhaps it goes back to childhood. I'm totally convinced that things that you did at school when you you know went to school, we had to sing our hymns and we we learnt them. So you know all the words. When up when you, on songs of praise, when they do "Eternal Father, strong to save," we all know the words. You sing along with it. You know, protect them wheresoever they go. For those apparent, you know, the, the imperil on the sea thing, and we all know about that kind of stuff because we all learned it. I don't think the kids today do that. Do they do assembly where they sing hymns anymore? I went to church as a little chorister, got paid for it, but never actually saw any money. I thought I feel like going back to the church actually, which is still there. And going, excuse me, you owe me some money. I should have got two and six a week when I sang in church, and extra for weddings, because they go, can we pay extra for the choir, and we'd have to go and sing for them, which we didn't mind, because we're just little children. You know, we just get pushed from pillar to post. Nobody ever sort of complained about it, actually. And um, Stephen Milne is, uh, is driving his mum back to the airport. She probably doesn't want to go to the airport, he's just decided. He's Australian. 
He's one. Of, he's one of your lot. He's an Australian boy, and uh, he's been a listener to this this program for ages and ages. Her name's Linda, and he's obviously just sort of picked her up and said, "Get in the car, Mum." And she's gone. Where, where Where are we going, son? He's going. No, no, I'll take you back to the airport. So. <laughs> Back to the airport she goes. It reminds me of that story, Linda, from ages ago, where a lady landed in Rome, and she gets off, and this man meets her and goes, hi, great to see you, and all the rest of it. Put her in the car. It's only when she's been driving for about 15 minutes in the car, she goes, who are you? And it turns out they've been waiting for another lady, and they picked up this one, and she had to take her all the way back. She'd got off at the wrong airport anyway. People do that. They get very worried about it. Very worried. Uh, my friend Phil Vickery uh, wrote to me yesterday and then uh, and said, uh, and I said, I, I can't talk to you. I'm, I'm stuck at a screening at the moment. But uh, Linda's heading home to Australia. So she's, oh, that long flight. What a, that must be an early flight. Is there an early flight to Oz this morning? I'm looking. Quite what? Yeah, it must be an early morning flight. I've got an Australian producer, as you know, uh, Stephen. And uh, I also bumped into the other day. I bumped into, um, uh, what's his name? I've forgotten his name now. Craig. Craig Stevens. He was at this screening yesterday. And I think he went on to the other thing. He's very thin, isn't he? I'm always amazed at how thin people are on television. If you look at uh, Stephen Milne's uh, pages on his uh, on his Twitter, he's another one with, with thin. But, um, but uh, terribly good-looking. I can't cope. I wonder if your mum's... She must be as good-looking as you. But uh, you have a nice flight, Linda. And I'm sure it will be uh, absolutely wonderful. Just remember, drink as much as you can and then sleep. Because it's about 26 hours, that flight, isn't it? Do you do a stopover? Is there a stopover in somewhere? And that probably whereabouts would you stop over? You... Dubai or Abu Dhabi, something like that. And do you need to get off the plane? Or do you just sort of sit on the plane and what, where they refuel it? You get off, go for a stretch. Two or three hours. What do you do for two or three hours at an airport? You just wander up. Oh, right, duty-free. Oh, right. God, I didn't know they still did duty-free. I bet Linda's well past duty-free kind of things. Not bothered about stuff. Just wants to get home. I should imagine. Just as, just as we have a heat wave, Linda, you leave the country. Probably to go back to a heat wave in Oz, because I don't know what the weather's like in, in Oz at the moment, but I should imagine it's probably like 20 degrees. Oh, that's just about doable, isn't it? 20 degrees. That's OK. That's why we consider quite... I get in the car this morning, and the guy's got the heater on in the car. It was seriously like walking into a sauna. I thought, oh, blimey, I don't need heat like that. But you have a nice flight. You've got a very nice sun, and that's all you can be uh, thankful for. There's so many that fall off the bandwagon, as you know. Uh, I've been in hospital all evening after a string of panic attacks and a bout of insomnia. I'm 21, and your biggest 21-year-old fan. Thank you, Stephen. You made it bearable. Yes, yes, I can imagine, actually. If you have panic attack, I've never had a panic attack. Never had a panic attack. We had a pint in a pub uh, at the top of the Strand last month. The top of the Strand. I'm trying to think where you are. Oh, I know exactly where you are. You're on... Uh, they said, you said it was a bank. No, is that is that the coal hole? Is that on the right hand side? They say that was on the site of uh, of Sweeney Todd's and the tunnel to his lover's bakery. Uh, promoting its pies. Is that on the? Oh, that must be on the left hand side next to the Lion King. That's the only ones I can think at the end of the Strand that would be near Drury Lane, which is where Sweeney Todd had his uh, barber shop and then the pie shop. I'm not sure if there's any tunnels there. I would I would need to check that out. But, uh, no, that's where you are. You're at the top. The coal hole, I think, used to be on the site of a music hall. And there was a place on the other side of the road, which is sort of next to... It's an art gallery, but it used to be a public lavatory. They, they kept changing things. That's what we do in this country. We're mad as broomsticks. 
we take a public lavatory, an old one that would have been around for donkey's years, and then they do it all up. The one at uh, Waterloo Station became Café PF. I think it was kind of aptly named, do you not? 84850 steve at Don't forget I'm here till uh, 7 o'clock every morning, 4 till 7. Graham says, is Peter Shim Road open? It's been open for a week. Obviously not been round there, have you? Been open for a week now. And it uh, doesn't really... I don't know what they were doing. I can't remember. I thought it was something to do with the house at the bottom and the brick wall, which was in danger of falling down. That was the problem. Uh, Debbie says, travelling with hand luggage from Nice... I had some pate and cheese late, late yesterday. At security, the guard said they couldn't go through as they were a security risk. He said he'd dispose of them. I said if I can't have them, nobody else would, and proceeded to open it for every one of them, taste, and then chuck them in the bin. To go back and uh, and check in, hold luggage, would have outweighed the price of the pate. Yeah, I've seen people before eat stuff. When they actually get there, they go, I'm not, uh, you're not allowed to bring certain things in, are you? And uh, some people, I, I was very naughty. I'm going to do a confession to you now. But when I used to go out to Vienna uh, to work on the radio out there, the one thing that the girls used to love on the radio station was English sausages. They had to have English walls bangers. And so I used to take out sausages. But of course, you're not supposed to take meat through different countries. It was all sealed and I, I didn't do anything. I'd sort of left it quite openly exposed in there. And and I never got caught taking sausages in or cheddar cheese. Uh, an odd thing to take to Vienna. But I did get caught when I used to smoke for smuggling cigarettes in. I didn't smuggle cigarettes in. What I did, I bought... I didn't buy them at Duty Free. I bought them in a shop and and I put them in the case. And I think I'd bought about an extra... Two, anyway, I got fined for these extra cigarettes. And you get them confiscated. And I said, no... I said, because I bought these in a shop in London. I didn't, I didn't buy them... They're not Duty Free cigarettes. But that didn't make any difference. I'd gone over the allowance. I mean, thankfully, as you can tell, because I haven't smoked for ages and ages ago. And um, another one here, Tony Leighton Buzzard says, don't tell your producer anything, Steve. Ignore him and keep him in the dark. Oh, he lives in the dark most of the time. I just open the door. When I come in the studio, his, his wooden crate has been wheeled up to the desk and I sort of, I just bang on the side of it just to let him know because he's, he's generally sitting there. We open the front door. And we bring him out and uh, we wind him up and off he goes for the next uh, next few hours, which is good, isn't it? I quite like that. So pate and cheese, eat it at the airport. You can't bring it in, so open it all up and eat it. I'm not sure I could eat that much pate. Actually, pate makes me go quite ill, but I love it. I like it with um, crusty French bread and butter. You look at me, don't you have pate in Australia? Do you have pate in Australia? Do you have things like that? Yeah, I don't think anybody... I don't know where he goes to eat, actually. I suspect it's probably somewhere like a chip shop or a pizza place. I don't suspect he's ever eaten in a restaurant where he's had to put a pair of trousers on. Deeply worrying, isn't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 26 minutes to 7. Steve Allen with you, Monday through Friday uh, until 7 o'clock. I'm also here Saturday morning between 5 and 7. Also here Sunday morning between 5 and 7. Also here Christmas Day, Boxing Day, Easter, Epiphany and, uh, and Pancake Day too. OK, just thought I'd tell you that now, just warn you in advance that uh, if you don't like the programme, I'm kind of on quite a lot on the station. Uh, my mum, says Poppy Lady, has always the sound off and the subtitles on when watching television. Whilst visiting the other day, I suddenly realised I was singing all the hymns, recognising them from the first line. Well, you, you do, don't you? And is it funny, but you're quite right, 99% of under-30s wouldn't know these hymns. If you said to somebody, OK, fill in the, fill in the next line, we plough the fields and scatter. There you go, most of you know the answer. The good seed on the land. You know, people don't know these things. Hark the herald angels sing. 
glory to the newborn king. We just know them because we, it was instilled in it. You don't have to be religious. It's just that we did it all the time at school. And so every time we sang something, so it makes me laugh on songs of praise, on those odd occasions that I catch it. I, I sort of look at it and you see people reading the, uh, the words. A lot of people don't, which means that they do, you know, if they're school children, they don't need to look at the words. But a lot of people in the, in the churches go there. I think they just want to be on television. I think that's what they do. And they're, they're reading the words. You don't need to know the words. You really don't, actually. Uh, thank you to Jane very much indeed about that uh, story about your, uh, your son. And his death. We did that. Uh, we did that before. And Ian says I was checking in at Gatwick a few years back when a security stopped a guy in front of me. He'd had half a bottle of vodka in his hand, luggage. Rather than hand it over, he came out of the queue and stood to one side, drinking the entire contents. He get back in the queue and then was refused boarding. He was shouting, "I'm not drunk." As they escorted him away. I mean, that would just be so desperate, wouldn't it, really? You'd have to be to sort of to do stuff like that. Uh, Anne says, I've just read that Ola Jordan's bringing out a book boasting that they had sex next door to Brucey. Oh, no, it's so... What a boring couple. I feel a bit sorry for them, actually. He doesn't appear to have any work to do. So every opportunity he gets, he's sort of uh, knocking Strictly. Because if it wasn't for Strictly, nobody would have heard about poor old James Jordan, a has-been of the first uh, of the first order. And uh, somebody said on the programme, needs to get over himself. He's not on the show anymore. He just he just can't get used to that. And Ola Jordan, I mean, they're quite quite clearly a horrible couple. Horrible couple. Who's remotely interested, though, in their boring life? The answer is nobody is interested in their boring life, as indeed book sales will probably uh, probably prove. Steve, we used to sing Beatles songs in school assembly. Well, you're probably in Liverpool then, aren't you? Something like that. We never sang anything like that. We just did hymns. When I fly to Australia, says Karen, I always do the four-hour stopover in Singapore. This is a swimming pool on the roof of the terminal, and it's great to have a swim and a stretch before getting back on the plane. Oh. Apparently roadkill, very much top of the menu in Australian restaurants. Oh, he's now shouting back to me. No, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, to be honest with you, there's not much to kill around there, are they? Over in Australia. I mean, I've never actually... You know, I know people go out there, and I, I, I quite understand it, but it's just, it's just never appealed to me. And yet I thought a town like Alice... Was uh, was a great book, and it, it sort of made me think what a you know what a lovely period of time to be in. But then everything changes. I was coming through London this morning, looking at all the buildings, going, "Why are they destroying London? We're supposed to be known for our history and our old buildings. That's what people come here for for the history. What do they do? They pull it all down and they put up these ghastly modern glass and concrete things. It looks horrible, absolutely horrible. Drunks all over the place. People begging. You can't go from here to Waterloo Station without encountering at least 15 people begging. You got any money? No, of course I haven't got any money. Don't be so stupid. Get off your fat bottom and get out there and get a job. They all look plain, painfully sitting there with a dirty old blanket. The other day, when I came out of the screening, I cross over the road to go into Ch- what? Into Chinatown. And there's two people. They've taken up three quarters of the pavement with their sleeping bags saying, we couldn't get into a hostel. Where were the police moving them on? People sleeping on the pavements and then sitting there begging. The fake beggars the other day, mainly about Marylebone, watch them. They've got crutches. They're not disabled or anything like that. They're liars. We seem to, ever since we've opened the borders, we've got as many crooks as you can think of in this country. Got any money, mate? There's one who sits on Waterloo Bridge. He gets dropped off in a car. He assembles himself with his little blanket. He's got his little... Th- and they've all got silly voices. Got any, got any spare change? Of course I haven't. Speak properly. Speak properly. Don't be so daft. We've all got drink problems. Ridiculous. Honestly, it just gets worse and worse. I mean, it's serious. You're running the gauntlet. And now people come up to you. I was standing talking to Mr. Theakson and Mr. Moyles the other day on a pavement. Some bloke comes, oh, so, you know, mate, you, have you got any spare change? You must, they've all got stupid voices. You must have some spare change. No, I haven't. 
We end up apologising. No, I'm really sorry, mate. I've got nothing at all. I've just got a travel card, all right? And you're not having that. And he had a little mug, a little plastic polystyrene mug. He had three quid in it already, which I'm assuming he'd put in there. And people give them money. What for? Don't give them money. Dreadful. Good Lord, honestly. I so agree with you, Steve, about being bored about the TV programmes. So I'm now taking over the TV schedule. And uh, on behalf of the Steve Allen Show, the new programmes include Can't Dance, Won't Dance. Yes. I, too, was a chorister says Andrew, in Shepherd's Bush. I used to think I was in the money, whether we had, uh, if we had more than one wedding on a Saturday. And somebody says, you are my guilty pleasure. I don't mind being somebody's guilty pleasure. I think that's OK. As long as you don't laugh out loud in a packed train, because it, it looks really embarrassing. Seriously, no. I mean, you shouldn't listen to this programme if you're on a train. Not with other people. Uh, do look round and try and visualise them all naked. That'll help get you through the day. Uh, have you been to Selfridge's Christmas shop yet, says Jamie? No, not yet. It's on the, uh, it's on the list St. Dermot's Hotel has a tunnel that goes from a doorway under the stairs to the Houses of Parliament. I was told it didn't go to the Houses of Parliament. That bit's, uh, that bit's gone. It goes to the river. But I'm led to believe that, that uh, that's not there either. So there's probably tunnels all over the place. Uh, Julie says, oh, good. Good decision, she says. It's past 6.30 and you're still here. Yes, till 7 every morning. So what we do is, in this part of the programme, we look through the morning papers. For those people who've only just woken up, for those people who struggle to go, I really can't make it today, it's going to be very hot. Uh, my advice is take some water with you on the train. You can pick up a bottle of water everywhere. Make sure it's cold. It's the only way to get through. Or failing that, if you've been very clever and pre-planned, you'll have stuck your bottles of water in the fridge last night. Take one with you and it'll get you through. The trains will be packed, it'll be horrible, people will be smelly and oh, it'll be ghastly. But if you've got a bottle of water with you and you've got LBC you should be fine pair of headphones on just stand there just smiling inanely always works and people avoid you like the plague I promise you front page of the Daily Mail today uh, I forgot that reminds me actually they're offering a uh, an inspirational eight page cruise guide today because cruising is the way forward lots of people do it they love doing it I've done a, a couple and it was very good value. You know, you just eat your way around the Mediterranean and you can do cruises or just stay there on the ship and do nothing at all. Uh, and there was the story of the man the other day, which I didn't run. He'd spent 20 years living on cruise ships. That's what he did. He lived on cruise ships. And I forgot to do the story and now it's sort of it's gone past it. Uh, they've got the crushing of David Cameron, his legacy in ruins. He quit... Uh, as an MP last night, rather than clash with Theresa May over grammar schools, the former Prime Minister, who just 16 months ago won the first outright Tory majority in 23 years, claimed he didn't want to be a distraction to his successor. Friends said they expected him to duck next month's party conference. Last year, he was cheered to the rafters for his election victory. Sources said he feared he would not always be able to support the policies of Mrs May, who has banished his allies to the back benches and dismantled his legacy. So that's the crushing of David Cameron on the front of the Daily Mail this morning. Uh, the other story is crumbs. BBC loses Bake Off to Channel 4 in bust-up over cash. There's no bust-up, it's just that the BBC didn't bid as much money as Channel 4 did. So Channel 4 get it, and I think it's from next year. Uh, how they'll change it, I don't know. The BBC, you see, have every opportunity to uh, plug their own programmes. They've got their own magazines, their food magazine, which plugs the Bake Off programme. Uh, every opportunity they get, they will plug it uh, unmercifully. So Channel 4, I don't think, would do that kind of thing. So whether the programme survives or whether it sinks, I do not know. Front page of the Daily Mirror today. It's the, it's the heat wave. 32 degrees, they have said. 32 degrees. I'm hoping it's wrong. Yesterday they said 25 degrees. It wasn't anything like 25 degrees. Uh, I must say to Mr Fazzino who went into hospital the other day. I hope he's, uh, hope he's out, and I hope that he's uh, fit. 
and uh, and will be uh, will be available for for duty today as per usual. Uh, Steve, I always tell beggars my money is tied up in land," says Neil in Maidstone. I just don't th- I just don't think you should have to run the uh, the gauntlet to people like that. They're everywhere. They come up to people in queues. You're queuing up for the theatre, or you're queuing up to go in a pub. Have you got any money, mate? No, go away. Go away. Seriously, it's ridiculous. Uh, don't give them any money, really. You're just fueling a habit. It's not the best thing to do. Uh, 32 degrees heatwave today, as I say, and so you're all going to suffer. And Bake Off is poached. They're all trying to come up with all sorts of different sort of sort of semi-jokes, I suppose, that go along with uh, with sort of baking. Hello, sunshine, the heatwave, red sky in the morning, herald a heatwave. I did know that the producer a minute ago, he looked out of the window, bless his heart, and he did say that it was a lovely sunrise. Not very often he says that, and the last time he saw that was over Ayers Rock. Anyway, that's a lovely Ayers Rock sunrise, Steve. I'm going, yeah, riveting. Thank you so much. Lovely to talk about things from home, isn't it, really? When I couldn't really care less. But uh, it's out there. I'm beginning to wonder, actually, now that Sky seem to be shedding people like there's no tomorrow, like Armageddon down there, you know, who's going to be disappearing next? You begin to wonder whether or not they're going to do away with the newspaper reviewers. Because, to be honest with you, you don't really need them. It's only somebody for Eamon to talk to her, but when he goes, they'll put somebody else in there. He'll just read the auto cue Because you don't need Michelle Dubry and some bloke who is associated with Jade Goody. He knows nothing about anything at all. What are they putting them on there for? They're just talking heads, but you don't need them. You really don't need them. Waste of money. Save a small fortune. Uh, in front of the Daily Star, they've got Holly, birth live on TV. This is not Holly Willoughby, obviously, because she's not pregnant. But they've got uh, various women who they've spoken to who've said... Um, that they could uh, they could uh, film them giving birth live on television. Can't imagine why you'd want to watch that. Perhaps they should play it to uh, to young girls who've got themselves pregnant from council estates. You know, this is what it's going to be like. It's going to be hell. I promise you. But uh, they're doing it, I suppose, to sort of catch an audience. Who'd want to watch? I wouldn't want to watch that. Would you want to watch that, producer? Would you want to watch somebody giving birth live on television? No, you wouldn't want to watch that, would you? As I've said, the conception video may be, and obviously at a private screening, but, you know, to watch somebody giving birth on television, I mean, it's not, not really the most exciting thing you've ever watched. It's also hell and agony. I mean, the screams you're going to hear is going to be terrible. Uh, so, £20 million. Too much cash for auntie. Too much cash. So that's for the, the Bake Off programme. Uh, also, poor old uh, Keanu Reeves, his summer blockbuster has become his biggest flop, making just 2.5 million. I can't remember the last film I saw with Keanu Reeves in it. And classical star Camilla Kerslake, whoever she is. I said, oh, wasn't she the attention seeker a short while ago? Then it all fizzled out. She wants to buy a zombie-proof flat. Ever since she saw a horror movie 28 days later, uh, she's been terrified of The Walking Dead. God, if that's the that's the most desperate thing she can come up with to get herself into the papers, I feel immensely sorry for her. Apparently she has a little boyfriend, and she says, I kept suggesting to Chris that we take a look at apartments with security. He turned to me and said, we're not buying a house because it's zombie-proof. Always knew there was something the matter with her, and it's just been proven, hasn't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. 12 minutes to 7, it's Steve Allen with you. Until 7, then Nick Ferrari and the team along between 7 and 10. It's Tuesday, the 13th of September. Uh, I remember Craig Stevens. We talked about Craig Stevens earlier on. He was one of these at the screening the other day when he was a presenter on Brain Teaser, says Malcolm, which was a lunchtime show which ran from 2002 to 2007. It was a live phone-in quiz. It had Alex Lovell and uh, Johnny Gould on it. Was that John- Johnny Gould? Oh, goodness me. Uh, the... S- 
The Sun this morning, uh, the moment a Samsung phone explodes. They seem to have caught it on pub CCTV. Uh, Channel 4 batters Beeb to whisk away Bake Off. Fans fury, a show lost over dough. They've really, they must have sat down and racked their brains for that one. So it's whisked off. It's been battered and lost dough. Fans fury. Who are the fans? Who cares? What's it got to do with them where the programme goes to? They're not the ones paying for it. And uh, they've said it's dealer recipe for disaster. Paul and Mary may quit. Who cares? They're not buying Paul and Mary. They're buying, I'm assuming, they're buying the uh, the format of the programme. Who they put on it. I should imagine whoever's got it is thinking of revamping it anyway. They'll be looking at uh, different presenters and thinking, would it work? And that's, of course, where it all falls apart. Because the reason it's successful is because the BBC are allowed to plug it as much as they want on all their programmes uh, and have two... Uh, you know, people like Mel and Sue, who will do all their double entendres and everything else. Paul Hollywood, who's got a bit of a history, and they plug it and Mary Berry because she's just wonderful. And then they're going to move it somewhere else to a channel that really isn't known for producing this kind of programming. And then they've lost the voice, which goes to ITV. Once it's all full of ad breaks, you'll be switching off in your droves. That's the problem with these programmes, isn't it? You watch this stuff and you think, it's just contrived. It's just designed, presumably, to, to get the biggest audience it can, which with X Factor they proved it can't. And I think you've finally got to the stage with X Factor where we know how it works. I've said every time it comes back on year after year, I've said, listen, for the first few weeks, you can have a lot of very stupid people on there who apparently, <laughs> unbeknownst to everybody, have passed a vetting process of about three producers and they still put on these people because they're making a programme. They know they can't sing. They know that they're stupid or there's something the matter with them or they've come out of a home or they're on medication or they're family have died or something's happened they've their auntie Annie choked on a mint imperial or something and they put them on the television and you get their dreary stories fed to you and then the next minute you know they go oh no we're not going to put you through sorry and you think so why have you wasted our time and the answer is because they don't have enough contestants we know that for because Britain's Got Talent is trawling East European circuses it's a joke there, probably, I should imagine. Uh, front page of the uh, Daily Express. Shock has fed up Cameron, quits the Commons. What will he do? This will be a question, no doubt, Nick Ferrari will be talking about this morning. James O'Brien, I can see, getting into this one. And, and Ian Dale. Warning, get a diabetes check. One million people don't know they have the killer disease. I told you before, I've had drivers who... Uh, I, I know are diabetic. They know they're diabetic. But they carry on eating all and drinking the wrong stuff. Uh, it's type 2 diabetes. They say anybody over 40 should be tested for the disease, which increases the risk of a stroke or a heart attack. They say 3.8 million adults have diabetes. That's around 9% of the adult population. And I put my hand up and say, I'm one of those as well that, uh, that is a diabetic. And I, wouldn't, I don't know how much my medicine costs. I'm sure if they itemised it out, they could say, actually, Steve, every year you cost us £3,000 or £10,000. I don't know. I don't know how much insulin costs. I've got no idea at all. I've never tried to buy it on the open market, so I wouldn't know. Uh, I don't have to buy needles. When you think of what I actually get, apart from my normal medication, for my diabetes, I, get, I buy my uh, blood testing machine, but I get the strips for free, and they're not cheap. Uh, I got some the other week from my uh, from my chemist. Uh, I get my Sharpie box for free to put my used um, insulin in and needles. I get needles for free and I get two types of insulin. 
So all of that doesn't come cheap, and I walk away with a carrier bag full at the end of each month. That's how much stuff I'm uh, I'm taking. But mind you, it's keeping you entertained in the morning. That's the I like to look on it as I'm fairly cheap, actually. When you think about it, it's not like a television program where you have to pay, you know, huge amounts to watch the television. You don't have to pay anything for this program. You just have to uh, have the ability to listen. Financial Times: Shafiq quits as BOE deputy after two years. This is uh, Minou Shafiq resigning from the Bank of England's top team. Only two years into her five-year term. Uh, plus, the Swiss Stock Exchange eyes the German bridge to the EU single market after Brexit. Cameron to quit Commons as boundaries are redrawn. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, the Guardian this morning, Channel 4 wins Bake Off. It's amazing how important this is. I don't know why. Does it generate a huge amount for the BBC? Answer? Don't really know. Cameron quits but denies he's snubbing May. Uh, move not tied to the new grammar school policy. Uh, they say here he gambled his career and reputation on winning the European referendum and lost. Uh, front page of the I, biggest shake-up in British politics for a century. This is the largest cut to the number of MPs since, I think, about 1922, as the political map of the UK is redrawn. Neighbour could be locked out of power after losing 23 seats to boundary changes. Corbyn's seat could be abolished. Uh, Cameron quits politics after two months on the back benches, retired at 49. I'm, a, I'm imagining he's probably got enough money to retire and perhaps he just wants to go and do something else, you know, while he's able to go and do as many things he wants, wants what's the family growing up. Why not? He can do anything. But I'm sure they'll be examining that later on today on LBC. Uh, fit for work, the Clinton campaign fights to shake off pneumonia. How ill is Hillary Clinton? Is she going to recover? Is there going to be enough recovery that she can go for the White House or, or is she not going to be fit? They'll be examining that with Nick Ferrari this morning. And uh, Bake Off is, uh, is off the hit show to leave the BBC. They seem to be losing left, right and centre. I've never known a station lose so many programmes. Uh, the answer is they, uh, they, they, they justify sort of payoffs. In fact, there was a thing about how many people had been paid off at the BBC. It was a phenomenal amount of people who'd been paid off with the sort of very lucrative uh, golden handbag things. And they, were, and they were sort of losing people. And I was trying to find it because there was literally a cast list of people who've left there, who I've never even heard of before, who seem to be getting a huge amount of money. And they've just disappeared. And you think, well, where does this money come from? And the answer is, it comes from us. It comes from us. We're, we're the ones who are, who are providing the money here. I'm trying to... I shall try and find it. There was also a piece. You'll have to read it yourself later on. It's in the mail today. It's the, uh, the show-off couple. This is Alexandra with her yacht and uh, the couple's Ascot mansion. And he's just rich and not at all attractive. And she's a former model. But there again, aren't they all? That's all Russian oligarchs want to go out with. Uh, he had a, a, a party and J-Lo was the cabaret. She got paid a million pounds. For that, and uh, it's it's super. They're, they're they're sort of into the super rich. They sleep with Monets by their bed. But the trouble is, see, I don't have a problem with that. I just don't want them to tell us. I don't care. I think it makes them a target. They've got a dog who trots about across the world on this on this sort of yacht thing, which is very nice. But at the end of the day, the more you start telling people that you jet about, here is this mansion. It just looks like a target, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you're not acting like a parent. Jamie's blast for Teresa and also a crime watch reconstruction. So showing a gang of six white youths racing to attack Stephen Lawrence. Uh, the snouts in the BBC trough. Have you ever heard of any of these people? Caroline Thompson, £680,000 payoff from the BBC. Uh, Pat Lockery paid twice for his notice period. £866,000 payoff. Sharon Bailey. 
£400,000 payoff. Mark Byford, £1 million payoff. John Smith, £1.6 million payoff. He had a pension of two hundred and twelve grand a year. And George Entwistle was in the top job for just 54 days and got just under £450,000 payoff. Small wonder the BBC are in a terrible state, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Times this morning, Labour the big loser as the number of MPs is cut. So uh, they reckon that they'll lose 25 seats under this big shake-off. Uh, also, immediate resignation from Parliament, David Cameron, yesterday. Uh, he wants the freedom to speak out on school reforms. What will he do now? That'll be the, I shall be listening to Ian Dale later to find out exactly you know, what he thinks is going to be happening. Uh, also, uh, Clinton health lies. Fewer than half of American voters believe Hillary Clinton's explanation of the illness. So does that mean they don't believe she's ill or they think it's all sort of some sort of cover up or something? I have no idea. And um, there's one here. A city trader convicted over the uh, Libra rigging scandal has questioned plans for new laws that will hold executives liable for failing to stop staff from committing fraud. And that, as they say, is about it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. You can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. Uh, I think we just about managed to get everybody's uh, text and tweet in. There were a few that we, uh, that we, that we missed. And um, guess who turned up, says Maxine, as a guest on Loose Women yesterday, as his wife was the anchor for the day. I've got no idea. No idea, Maxine. You have to tell me the answer to that. I can't guess in the last remaining seconds of the programme. But uh, we'll do it again tomorrow morning between four and seven. And don't forget, uh, I'm here five days a week between four and seven. And then on Saturday morning between five and seven. And don't forget, you can listen to LBC wherever you want, wherever you are. You can download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. So just go to lbc.co.uk. And if you download the app, then you get the free podcast sent to you every day. Every day we have a little dig at, uh, at certain celebrities. Well, I say celebrities. They're sort of people who just want to inflict themselves on your life and we decide to knock them down a little bit. Leading Britain's conversation at 10 o'clock this morning, it's James O'Brien. I'm Steve Allen, back tomorrow morning. But right now, it's Nick Ferrari at breakfast. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.